Rocky Horror Burlesque is okay. not family friendly. Okay. And uh, Janet, Janet will be a little bit more naughty than normal. Oh, wow. Oh, now, is there yeah. nudity or when you say a little more naughty? Well, it's burlesque. So okay. it's a lot of, it's a, it's it's classy, you know, with more pasties. And oh, pasties, okay. Pasties and, and things like that. But you'll oh, hear more snap. about it next week. Wow. Well, Halloween. You, you know Rocky Horror. You're all about Rocky Horror, girl. Well, I mean, I started watching it when I was about seven years old. And okay. Oh, you little freak nasty. Yeah. Well, I mean, they <laughs> left the they left the VHS out there, and it. they they weren't around. Then it became minds. my favorite movie, and like I watched it over and over wow. and over and over again. So I knew all the words before I ever got any script in my hand. Mm. Wow. So two and, different productions. Of the same source material. Yes. With uh, being, uh, as the Rocky same Horror. character. In same both. character. So it's fun. I'm having a good time That's right awesome. now. This is a great time of my life. I'm single. Okay. Okay. Guys, <laughs> I'm single and I'm like, you know, I'm just really starting to get into my craft more and it's really That's rewarding. Good. When I think of home, I think of a place. Where there's love overflowing I wish I was home I wish I was back there With the things I've been knowing When that makes the tall grass And intervening Suddenly the raindrops that fall have a meaning sprinkling sea makes it all clean the below the belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired it is now time for the bad boys of baltimore pips up goes down Right, guys, it's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt Show in the house. I'm your host, Al Soto, your host for the most. And usually I'm a little more <laughs> cheerful, a little more, uh, a little more, uh, got more pep in my step. But uh, we are uh, starting the show off with um, a special segment for a member of the BTB family, um, an amazing friend performer, singer, uh, mother, um, the list goes on and on. Um, it's Siren, the entertainer Davis, sadly passed away unexpectedly. And um, we wanted to um, do a little tribute here on BTB. Um, Siren was a fixture on BTB uh, for several years, both uh, at WMC Studios. Um, she also uh, joined us virtually a few times as well, uh, the BTB 3.0 at home. 
and uh, want to assemble um, a special uh, panel um, for those that um, knew Siren, um, that loved her, um, that cared for her, and um, let's go ahead and introduce. Yes, of course, my co-host extraordinaire, the king of the 80s, the demotivational speaker, Chacha McFly. What's going on? Yeah, I wish I was here under better circumstances, but I think it's going to be a nice tribute. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and of course, we have to um, introduce uh, a, a member of BTB 2.0 and uh, a very close friend of Siren. And uh, I believe uh, the friendship started here on BTB. Um, and she is Sweet Chocolata herself, singer songwriter, artist, host, actress, Sabrina Taylor-Smith. Uh, welcome back to BTB, Sabrina. Thank you. Hey, guys. How are you doing? <sighs> hey, Sabrina. I know, right? Let's go ahead and introduce, well, you know, there's a reason we know Siren, the entertainer Davis. Yes, someone, I met her on this show, yes. That's right, but who introduced Siren to BTB? Let's introduce him, guys. He's a former actor. Hopefully, maybe one day we'll return to the front of the camera. Uh, he knew Siren in um, elementary and high school, I believe, middle school and high school. Oh, wow. In high school, okay. Um, he's, uh, he was, uh, at the time, the, the sound guy at BTB, uh, the sound guy, Todd Stevens. Welcome back to BTB. Todd, it's been a while. Yes, it has been a while, and that that opening meant a lot. Um, yeah, yeah it certainly is. Very, very, very emotional. Um, Todd, you probably amongst everyone here on the panel knew Siren or Sirin the longest. Yes, uh, met her at Overly High School and uh, been nothing but friends since that time. And she was in the theater and all that stuff back then. And uh, just the sweetest girl you, you could ever know. I, How did you um, meet her? At? Uh, through mutual friends and like-minded individuals at that time. And uh, like I said, it been friends ever since. And it's devastates your heart. It really does. Absolutely. And, and, and Todd Stevens, I, I really appreciate you introducing uh, Siren to us because she has uh, been nothing but great beyond BTB being a great co-host and knowing some awesome stuff about pop culture and the entertainment industry. Um, she's also become a friend outside the studio. And, um, you know, um, yeah, she'll be she'll be missed, man. It's It's tough. It's tough saying goodbye. We Just last year, we were saying goodbye to our beloved Koki. Um, who left us, um, sadly, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's really, really unfortunate to say bye to a member of the BTB family. That was the last time I saw you in the flesh, uh, Al. Yeah, 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 you, you attended Koki's uh, services, Todd. I'm glad you uh, were able to attend. Koki was a, a dear, dear friend, and now, sadly, we're saying goodbye to another friend of uh, BTB. So um, I also want to introduce on the panel, um, Good friend of mine, um, how we've been friends for a long time. I believe we met on the set of Veep or Philomena. 
Um, she's an incredible actress. She's now New York City based. Got to hang out and check out a couple screenings. Uh, the band she had is in a Sheeran and uh, um, HBO's The Gilded Age, which we'll get into a little later after this uh, segment. But Elise Edwards, thank you for joining us here on BTV as well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Yes. It's so wonderful to see you all. And yeah, um, well, um, really, really happy to be here um, for a tribute to our dear friend, Siren the Entertainer. You know, she was exactly as her name would say, she was an absolute siren, you know, in mm -hmm. all the ways and a live wire. So, um, it's uh, good to be reunited with you all here. And it was great to see you in New York recently, yeah. Al. And um, yeah, glad to be able to honor Siren's life and work uh, with this reunion. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, let's go around the panel um, and just talk about um, some of the fonder memories, uh, whether it's been on BTV, where it's been outside of BTV of Siren and uh, let's start with Chachi McFly. All right, me first. All right. Um, I always has had a good time with Siren on the show. Like, like, I can't remember a single time where she wasn't upbeat. You know, she always had a ton of things going on, you know, always doing shows, you know, always just like a super, you know, positive person. And this always, you know, was always nice to me. Um, I've always enjoyed having her on the show and especially when her and Sabrina got on the show together. You knew you were in for a wild ride. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it was, it was always up, like, lit and legit with Siren. <laughs> yes, <laughs> agreed. Real like, like sisters, like real siblings, like to me. So, uh, yeah. You know, real sad for like. I mean, I knew her just mainly through the show, but you know, just real sad for people who like were real close to her, like outside of the show too. Absolutely. Um, I guess um, I'll go on next. You know, so, so Siren, um, we had a um, fondness of, of karaoke. <laughs> Everyone in the panel knows that I love some karaoke. It's just, uh, it's, it's been uh, something I've enjoyed over the years. And uh, yeah, but I, I finally remember just singing with Siren and uh, whether it's Sopanos or she had met us in Alcott City or my favorite is the Phoenix uh, on Main Street when they had their karaoke nights, and uh, she would always just like just own the room on that. Turn movie. it out. <laughs> Such a gifted voice, my God! I always wonder why she never went in the studio, because I think she was just done an amazing record, you know, whatever she. You know, yeah. Um, but obviously, she's just been um, a fixture on the on the stage with. Uh, shows like the rocky horror picture show uh the chocolate covered version that is all uh, african-american <laughs> cast and uh sister act which the last time i believe she was on the show was promoting her her sister act show. so we, we bonded over you know the, the arts um and our love for the walking dead um as people stop watching the walking dead um <laughs> siren uh <laughs> would always continue to watch as as as, as i did myself you know because I can't stop now, man. They're about to wrap up season 11. So I just had somebody to, to, to discuss the Walking Dead on the show with. Um, um, and she's she's just a lot of fun. Siren was so much fun. She uh, she's also very complimentary. She's always 
saying, oh, you're so, you're so handsome, or you smell so good. She's, she's <laughs> compliments. Yeah, she, um, she had horrible taste, but, you know, she <laughs> like, um, she, I remember she said, you smell good. And I was like, why? Is he wearing cologne? He's like, no, it's that musk. It's that musk. That man Who, musk. Who? So, uh, she was talking about you, I think. Is that that man musk. Was said, oh, Chachi uh, smells good. Got that like, man oh. musk. Yeah, that's the um party. Is that where that was? I don't. I think it might have been in the studio when when she went to okay, home, okay. everybody in the studio. Yeah, I think I remember. Probably for that um, long walk from the car to the studio back then. To get the BTV uh, 2.0 yeah. uh, at right. WMC, which we do miss that venue very much. So um, um, I, I don't know uh whether we have more technical difficulties here or there. Probably there. Mix, probably, probably there. there. <laughs> yeah. But sure. um, and Siren was always great. You know, if if uh, if I needed um, um, a pitch hitter, um, uh, what's the baseball term, Todd? Pinch hitter. Pinch hitter. Uh, yeah. If somebody canceled uh, on BTV, especially with 2.0, because it was a little more difficult to get people in studio. Oh yeah. Siren has come through a few times. I remember and and save save you know me from being co-host list which oh, obviously is no never having to do to do a shoe coast co-host list you know um but uh yeah just just the karaoke you know the, the singing you know and uh, just just uh, the encouraging words that she always had so that's what i always remember um let's go to elise elise did do you have any particular memories or, or... yeah I, mean, I just remember the first time that i met a siren and it was at um the btb studio when we were in person and um i don't remember if she was the scheduled co-host or not um but i was like um you need to just like put her on on the bill like all day (laughs) and and we just felt like the feeling was mutual and i was like oh my god you're just like the most and um there was another time with robin do you know who I'm? Robin, Robin. Miller, who, who was actually gonna. I, I reached out to her. She was gonna join us, but she told, she told me that she wasn't in an emotional state, and it would be yeah. very, very difficult for her. Yeah. Yeah. Robin I, Miller actually did my um, graduate report on on her business on her on her um, performance venue, the Fun House. Oh you know? wow. Yeah, and um, yeah, Robin, you know, and and Siren are very close. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, so that was just a wonderful introduction. And, you know, like I said, it just like, just Siren's energy was just, just so amazing. And, um, you know, vivacious, and like, also like real AF, you know, so. um, And I was really excited when I, you know, heard uh, her and Robin talking and stuff like that. And I was just like, yes, like, it was was just a lot of like, yes, for you, like energy. And um, yeah, I'm I'm sorry that I wasn't able to see any of those a collaboration between the two um, in person, because that was the last thing that I really remember um you know being in person and uh talking with her at length and vibing over that i feel like for some reason we were like always getting into shit like in the studio like you were like okay but i also have to like 
manage my reputation or like they have to still like want me back and Siren and I were like it's all good like <laughs> so <laughs> and we're like just don't worry about it we'll take care of it and uh you know so um that's what like really what I remember and I want to know did she um who did she play when you said that she was in the Rocky Horror I was like oh my god was she Magenta or was she Columbia she was always was Janice but she was supposed to be um the narrator this time oh okay all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, I could see her as Magenta, but I know that she could hit those high notes as Columbia. And I just know that she could just work it all out. So, right. all right. So she yeah. was Janet. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Janet. I love that. Damn it, Janet. I love you. <laughs> all right. Todd Stevens, um, what is your fondest memory of Siren? And maybe you can go back to the high school days because. Ironically, everybody brought up karaoke and. I hadn't seen her in a number of years after high school. It was about five or six years. And there was this uh, hole in the wall bar that me and a buddy had went to. And there was Seren belting it out on the microphone. And then she comes over. And no matter what was going on in her life, even if you were down into doldrums, she was a megaphone of nothing but heart. Would always bring you up, no matter what was going on. She filled the room with heart, and that's that's my best memory of her. Because I wasn't in particular good spirits then, and and that's my fondest memory. Because she she could bring up a a room even though she was down in the doldrums. You wouldn't know it, and uh, I just. I think the sky gained another star and just remember that heart because she was a megaphone for it and she would call you out too even if you you, oh yeah she'd call you out she'd call you out um certainly no Mm -hmm. filter she would she would be um honest with you she had an opinion and uh but yeah that's my best memory of her yeah that's great, man. Um, all right, Sabrina Taylor-Smith. Um, I know you have many memories, many memories. So many. Um, let's, let's talk about a few. Because we were, uh, a lot of people would be like, the two twinsies, twinsies. Um, and we, we spent a lot of time together. Um, I think a lot of people don't really, I don't know if a lot of people know how funny she was, but she was very, very funny. Um, one thing that is, um, and if anybody has time later to check it out, cause it's really funny. She sent me this ridiculous YouTube video of an actor or this guy was an actor and, um, he got caught like dining, dining and dashing. And when the police arrested him, he put on this fake British accent and he basically raised a huge stink while he was being arrested. Um, but I just remember him being like, a meal? Why is this happening? A meal? I was enjoying a delicious Chinese meal. Get your hand off my penis. Like, it's just the most ridiculous <laughs> video, but it's, it literally makes me laugh every time I see it. And for a long time, every time we would see each other, we'd be like, and we'd be like, oh, I'm hungry. We'd be like, Oh, you'd like a meal? A delicious Chinese meal? 
So that was like a thing that we had for the longest time. In fact, actually, the last time I saw I saw her, we watched this video um, because we just couldn't stop cackling about it. Um, so I guess just like that, she she would um, send me these little funny like when we hadn't talked in a while. Um, or if we hadn't seen each other in a while, she would send me these little like ridiculous videos on Instagram or like, and she'd be like, I would just like laugh and then underneath it'd be like, miss you. Um, so yeah, I guess I just miss her humor and her cooking. She was really good. Um, a really good food and wondering, damn it. (laughs) Yes. Because that looked amazing. I think our last yes. our last post was some kind of like chili, right? I believe. Um, yes. And I remember also just one more story. Um, Thanksgiving one year, because I cook a lot. Um, uh, and I have a lot of like chefs in my family. Um, nice. we spent Thanksgiving together like two years ago. And I was like, I don't know if you can do this. I don't know if you can make it like that. Are you going to put this in there? I don't know about that. And she made the best prime rib I think I've ever had. And oh. after I had given her so much shit the entire time, I was like, I'm sorry. That was great. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> but yeah, um, it was, it was actually really good. Um, I just remember that meal and uh, the best prime rib I've ever had. God, oh, yeah. so many talents. <laughs> yeah. So many talents. So uh, let's let's hear one more. Let's hear another song by Sarah Guy. So let's go ahead and play this. Yeah. Uh, again, um, this such a talent that should have should have been in that studio because she is her, her voice is just, just something else. Something else. It's incomparable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is a deeper love by Aretha Franklin. People let me say I work hard every day. I get up out of bed. I put on my clothes because I got bills to pay. Well, it ain't easy, but I don't need no help. I got a strong will to survive. I got a deeper level. Deeper love, deeper love inside. Wow. Yeah. You know, most people won't even attempt to um, do Aretha. Right. Oh, yeah. She she had balls of steel. That, that's one of the artists that signed. She had balls of steel. On American Isle said, oh, you're not going to do Aretha. No one can touch that. You know? no, <laughs> no, but she, she pulled it off, though. And then Randy Jackson mm-hmm. would say, you gotta do Aretha, man. You better kill it, you know. But you better bring it. You better, <laughs> you better bring, bring it, it. You better bring it. But like Simon brought it, it. She done brought that song, man. Mm. Um, uh, we got a couple more songs. Um, uh, before we uh, uh, <laughs> conclude our tribute. But um, oh gosh, I mean, uh, 
Yeah. I, uh, what, what, what more can we say, guys? That song, say? that song is so emblematic of her because I, like I said, I had been in studio. We had like a two hour show. We were just dying. Like we were just laughing so hard. And I don't even remember who it was on that day. Um, I, for some reason, I want to say that we talked to the guy who plays, what's his name? Mm, who's Thomas Nicholas or something like that. Or what's that guy Thomas, who was Thomas Nicholas. Ian from American Pie? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know for sure. I can't remember for sure. I might be like you know conflating two things. He's, but he's, he's been a great <laughs> guest on the show. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's super great. Um, I was like, oh my god, I like love you. Like, I was like, you're so much cooler than just whatever. And I, <laughs> but also, <laughs> I know. Um, no, he's really, really a sweet person. And um, I, but I think it was, I think Sire and I uh, were in studio that time, and um, she was telling me about her health issues that she had, um, specifically about her feet. And why she was like, oh, like you can't even. She was like, oh, I can't remember which like chronic. I don't know, know know the name of this, you know, chronic condition mm. that she had. But I was like, and you're still like you cabaret, you do all this stuff. I was like thinking of me and my fuck shit. <laughs> I don't know a better word to say it of like excuses that I've ever put out there for like not to show up and like show out. Right. And I was like, you're like. Uh, yeah, sometimes I can't walk. <laughs> sometimes I can't walk, but mostly I'm just gonna make it happen. And I was like, yeah, like holy sh, thank you. Like I needed that. So that like that song just like made me feel like yes, you know, it wasn't just her singing Aretha. Like she's really giving voice to a real human experience that I feel like she just exemplified all, at all times. Sorry, I was, I was just going to say, um, that's definitely something I will say about her. she and I are probably the two most sickly injured people that, that like history has ever created. <laughs> um, so it's weird. Cause I'm like, Oh, who's going to share my hospital time with me? Um, and uh, I will say, yes, she was not, she was not, she knew she was not a great dancer. And yes, one thing that was just yeah, really funny, she knew right away. And um, one day I was like, she was like, well, you teach me how to walk like, you know, strut as if I was wearing heels. And I was like, I mean, I can try, but she's got really flat feet. But she was so <laughs> into it. And I was like, you look like, of retarded T-Rex. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to work it too. Yeah, she, she was like, I got this. It's fine. And I was like, I just wish that she could have seen what she looked like. It was the most coolest thing I've ever seen. But she was so like into it. And it yeah. was just, I just miss her. <laughs> you know? I regret not, I regret missing her shows. I, I knew she had, uh, Rocky Horror and Sister Act and um, Sabrina, you caught her shows. What what can you say about Siren? Oh as, my God, Sister Act was totally show. made for her. Yeah, Sister <laughs> Act was totally made for her. She was so amazing in Sister Act. You would never even know that she like 
she she told me beforehand she was like oh, i don't have all the dance steps uh, again the dancing i don't have all the dance steps together blah, blah blah i was like girl you're dolores van cartier if you don't have the dance steps just stop and do your own thing because everybody's just looking at you anyway and she was like that's true okay <laughs> and she tried to finagle her way out of um completely doing any of the d- dance steps and she was like well i'm supposed to be teaching them the you know how to have spirit on stage so maybe i shouldn't be dancing that much and she was able to get out actually get out of most of the dancing from that except for like one or two performances which she did pull out and make happen but that is definitely uh, one thing i would say she's incredibly charismatic on stage and uh, i remember the first thing she said when she got off stage on sister act was oh my god did you hear my voice crack in that one part? I was like, no, I didn't hear anything. It just sounded amazing to me the entire way through. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, those notes yeah. that she could hit, the, the runs, r- doing the runs is, is one of the more challenging things you can do as a singer. And she. Oh, yeah. She, hit she was trying to help me with mine. I'm like, I can't do yeah. runs at all. So this is a song that uh, that features that aspect, the, the runs. And this is a song that that. I believe she's performed in studio, but I saw this on her um, her YouTube page. So uh, let's go ahead and hear this one song because this is phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal song. Birds flying high, you know what I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. Yeah, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. Yeah, I remember her always doing House of the Rising Sun for ah karaoke. Yes, yes. Between that and the feeling good, those are those are a great song. And uh, yeah, the the last song we're gonna play. Wow, it just it just uh, it's coming up shortly. She could rock some Tina Turner too. Holy cow! Yeah, <laughs> yes, she did. Talk, I remember her talking about Tina Turner with. Actually, who was the um the performer from the um Branson, Missouri? Stacy, I believe. Uh and uh she was uh I, I believe Simon was talking about doing like a tribute, a Tina Turner tribute, similar to what Stacy did with um she did um Shania Twain, I believe. It was a, it was oh, yeah, a performer yeah. that you had set up for us. Um uh, yeah, no. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Sabrina, you never, you, you ever do um, a duet or just karaoke? I guess you've done karaoke. Um, actually, just these boots are made for walking. Um, oh, we used to always do that together. <laughs> There's oh, actually wow. um, a silly video of us on on Facebook doing a bit of that. Oh wow. Yeah. 
Um, maybe you can put that in, uh, in post at some point uh, during the show. But yeah, definitely have to check that out, man. But both of you, Sabrina and and and, and Siren, your voices were just were so big. I, could could a could a duet work because the voices were so big? You know? <laughs> we actually we did a lot of happy birthdays together, um, <laughs> which would end so awkwardly because she's so good at doing runs and we would try to do duets and you know i'd be like okay i'll just let her take over because it would be like ah, <laughs> i'm like oh, i don't know the harmony for that <laughs> I, think, I think i think they did that for me on the show before oh right, happy birthday birthdays. duet i think i think you did oh wow i believe it i believe it that's a serenade to phenomenal, phenomenal singers. Wow. That's great, man. So uh, so I want to let you guys know that um, I'm going to light a candle for her so that she's here with us for the rest of the show. And I walked into my room. I do have an altar. Okay. I was raised Catholic and a witch simultaneously. Don't judge me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and by that, you're I'm welcome. Um, it's a both and, uh, on, um, uh, over here. So anyway, I was like, I was, I was thinking my first instinct before I went in, when I was going into my room to get it was I was going to light this green candle cause it's new. And it's like very important to have a new candle for a new, a new spirit who has like rejoined, you know, the, uh, you know, God spirit. At the same time, I was like, I need a what I like. I was usually light a white candle for it, but all my white candles are not new, and so I started to. I was like, maybe I shouldn't do the green candle. Maybe I'll go and and then I like, I literally, I just like felt her be like, no, you can light that green one, girl. Like she was, she was just like, she's like, go ahead and give that green one because it's also the color of money and like prosperity. So to a prosperous soul that we will always cherish and remember. And thanks be, she left us with some beautiful recordings of her voice, which, you know, the voice, you know, there's a reason why the saying is, um, he who sings prays twice, because it really is like the interface, it's like spirit coming through the physical interface, you know, so. I just want to have this here. I don't think I can keep it in frame without possibly lighting something on fire, but I just want to. <laughs> and thank you, Siren, for your time with us and for your voice. That's kind of a, a nice idea. You just said the spirit of, uh, of Siren or Siren is still with us. So uh, to conclude uh, the Siren tribute on tonight's show, um, I'd like each of us to say a statement if siren was listening to us right now maybe she is hope she is um so siren is actually listening to us right now steven todd what would you say right now you meant more to me than you'd ever know and a lot more to a lot of other people than you'd ever know i appreciate you being there for me when i was low and glad i got to spend the time i did with you God bless you. Tasha McFly. Yeah, we're going to miss you. It's, it's, I know like a lot of other people that spent a lot more time with you and I feel for them and, um, you know, your family, but, um, definitely going to miss you on the show and I wish you were here now. 
Elise Edwards. Okay, I just want to, so this is what we want her to hear from us. Yes. Okay. Because for at, when you were first giving like the lead in, I really thought you were saying, what would she be saying about what we're doing right now? Oh. And I was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> we can get into that too. Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. We'll do, we'll do a second round. Um, Siren, um, I wish I got to see more of your performances. And I thank you for every single off the cuff you know, you're always ready to, like I said, just like let spirit flow in performance. And that is something that I would love to integrate into myself, stop holding back. And um, I just want to say that I love you. I miss you. We miss you. And we hope to honor your memory by, um, you know, showing up, being present in every moment. Um, you know, love, send, sending love and support and care in any way possible that we can um, to your children, to your family, um, so that, you know, that they know that you're here with us all the time. And so, again, thank you. And I feel like you're, you're walking, you're like rocking a feather boa on the way up. Like, that's literally what I'm seeing in my mind. Like, I'm seeing a red <laughs> feather boa. <laughs> like, well, red was her favorite color, so <clears throat> she's a red perfect. feather boa, and then she's like, "Now I get to wear this all the time, and no one can judge me." <laughs> <laughs> that was really nice. Um, yeah, I mean, Siren. Obviously, I'll say, "Why did you? Why did you fucking leave us so soon? You had so much to give um, on this earth, um, whether." your friendship, your love, and, and your entertaining, entertainer aspect, you know. That's right, she was signed to Entertainer Davis. Uh, Siren, um, I, I, I don't know. I, when people say I, in a better place, I don't know. Sometimes I, 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 uh, I drift back and forth to believing if it is or not, but uh, I really hope that, uh, Siren, if you're hearing us, um, that uh, you're okay, you're pain-free, uh, and you're singing with uh, everyone that also has left our earth um, and doing a hell of a performance up there. Um, with some of the greats, I'm sure. I'm sure you're singing with some of the greats. That um, um, I'll miss you. Uh, I wish uh, I saw you a little more recently. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry I missed your shows. Scheduling has been a pain, but um, I'll, I'll miss you very, very much, Cyrus. Um, and last but not least, uh, Sabrina. Um, gosh, what I want to say. Um, just, I love you so much, and um, I'm so sorry that you're not here. Um, I will make sure that everyone sees that delicious Chinese meal video. <laughs> and I will definitely check in with your kids. Light a candle on your birthday every year. Those are nice words. Um, thoughts, prayers, uh, thoughts to her family, three kids, her loved ones. 
friends, numerous, numerous friends from all walks of life. And, you know, she had quite, quite the collection of friends you know, at her, at her services, you know, um, I'm sure she had some of her high school representatives, Todd, you know, Todd wanted to be there but couldn't be there. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it was, um, it was a very touching, touching um, service uh, for Siren that uh, that I. Had. It's it's interesting because I've been to other funerals before, you know, Catholic funerals or uh, just not affiliated by religion. But uh, this one was lively. There was a lot of clapping. There was a lot mm -hmm. of. Uh, uh, you know, um, just, uh, just the preacher was very upbeat, you know, and 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 reassuring that that Siren was in a better place, and and uh, you know, uh, applause after people spoke. You know, that's something that we that I wasn't used to, you know, seeing. So uh, yeah, was very it was very lively for her funeral. I was pretty surprised she would have loved it. Yeah. That's what I want too, guys. I literally want like a second line. I want a horn section, <laughs> and I want someone to spike party, spike that punch. Okay. What's <laughs> <laughs> the LSD? But anyway, I didn't say that. <laughs> Any um, but maybe I did. I really do. I want I want some friends while I'm transitioning, and that's like I know how to do it. May or may not be with Mister. Albert Hoffman's uh, <laughs> yeah. situation. I remember <laughs> a, a, a friend Scott, uh, who's you know very lively on beat, like like Siren was uh, during his services. Um, there was a DJ at the funeral home, and I was told that's how he wanted to to go out a big party mm -hmm. uh, with a DJ literally spinning tunes. I love that. Yeah, I want. <laughs> As a DJ, I wish there were more DJ gigs like that too. Like, especially as I am someone who's literally of like uh, and a spiritualist, you know, I'm right. like, I get it. Uh, we can do the both and, you know, and yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, right? Wow. Yeah. So um, we're going to uh, the classic cut will be um, Siren's uh, rendition. Of an Alanis Morissette hit. Oh, yes. Um, uh -huh. Uninvited. <gasps> um, oh my God! I, I love, uh, yeah. That's my second favorite. Uh, yeah, we both love that. Let's so listen much. to this uh, amazing, amazing rendition, um, which I guess it was part of her uh, performance. Um, and uh, we'll be back uh, with more. Any hot blood? 
of uh, one of my favorite Alanis Morissette songs. Yeah. Uninvited. I mean, yeah. that was, I, in my opinion, so much better than the original. <laughs> I know. I know. I thought, I thought Alanis like did a great job with that song, but like I said, uh, Siren just, she sang the shit out of it. And yeah. yeah, she did. It's one of my favorite songs and it's my second favorite Alanis Morissette song. So. I know. Isn't it great? What really is your favorite? What is your favorite? Incredible. Though? I really think you you ought to know is my favorite. I got I got to go right back to the OG. Yeah. The OG. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's on the same. They're both on the same album, but right. you ought to know is really it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> where's that song from? From Jagged Little Pill. No, no, no. I mean that recording. Oh, she, um, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe Sabrina, you know, I, I it was some. I the thing is, like, I know that the the Broadway play Jagged Little Pill features all of Alanis' songs, but I am not, I am not sure what what that performance was part of. But it was fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she sounded so amazing. I'm so glad you ended with that. She would be like, great. It was so good. It was so good. All right. Well, sadly, we have to say uh, goodbye to some of our panelists. Um, uh, Stephen Todd. Sabrina Taylor Smith uh, and uh, King of the Eighties, Chachi McFly. Um, King of the Eighties. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm you, sorry to sure, go. Are you sure you can't hang out, Chachi? Yeah. Positive. You, you and Lise can handle it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next I time. I haven't watched that much um, 
stuff recently. Like I'm behind on um, House of the Dragon. I'm behind. I haven't watched any okay. of the Andor yet. I haven't watched Walking Dead. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be in the dark you. about all the things. I'm gonna be the dunce in the corner. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I also I I forgot that we didn't say this. Um, that Al and Siren are like the two biggest Star Wars people I know. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars and Walking Dead. We had a lot of that in common, and I remember Siren yes. telling me how her grandmother was also a super fan of Star Wars, and and. Her grandmother oh, okay. went to the, the galaxy's edge, which I think is pretty awesome. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that. so great. Yeah. Wasn't that cool? All Do you right. still have your, your trooper, your whatever trooper? Suit? Oh, I Storm still have trooper? My, my Mandalorian Stormtrooper. Helmet, Stormtrooper helmet. The yeah, whatever troopers. The, the trooper. The trooper. I got all the troopers, guys. All the troopers. Okay. <laughs> all right. So long, Tachi, Sabrina, right. and Todd Stevens. All right. See you, everybody. All right. Bye, everybody. Wonderful to see you. Always. See you. Always so good to see you, Elise. It's so great to see you, Sabrina. I hope I get to see you again in person soon. Um, I'm sure you will. (laughs) Okay, good. Awesome. Good. All right. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye, Bye, Chachi. Bye. Bye, Todd. All right. We got Elise Edwards and Al Soto. (gasps) Elise, it certainly matters what you say. Uh, this is our show for the rest of uh, of the uh, the broadcast. We have an actor named Martin Harris joining us, um, who can be seen in the movie Amsterdam with Margot Robbie, Christian Bale, uh, John David Washington, Robert De Niro. I mean, this is a star-studded cast. He's going to be in the movie. Was um, that something Joy? Who's that one? That chick? Yes, from the director that directed Joy. Exactly. Exactly. Oh no, I was saying what I thought her name was Joyce. I mean the one, the the actress that's in Queen's Gambit. Oh, Anya Taylor Joy. Yes. That's right. She's also in Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah, but actually, this particular director, his last film was Joy with Jennifer. Oh, okay. Oh wow. Yeah, which which you know got a lot of Oscar buzz, but uh, we're gonna talk to him uh, a little later. But let's let's talk about some stuff in entertainment. First of all, uh, again, that we alluded to, uh, New York City. Let's talk about uh, the Gilded Age on HBO. <gasps> that pretends fabulous. A really, a really Ugh, the cool Gilded Age. screening and Q and A. That's the thing about being a SAG AFTRA member. Mm-hmm. You get to go to the, some of these kind of cool events, you know. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I had just attended the New York Comic Con that day, which is something I enjoy doing every year. It's one of the best. Comic-Con experiences in the country. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, got to uh, talk to one of my favorite artists, Sab- Sabine Rich. Um, talked with uh, Rachel Lee Cook. And, <gasps> yeah, right? She's you did all, not tell me that. She's all that indeed. She's all that indeed. <laughs> and, and one of my crushes uh, from back in the day was Smallville actress Kristen Kruick. Um, who was oh, also, wow. Yeah, I got to chat with her as well. Um, got to see um, BTB recurring uh, co-host Jesse Fresco, Hardcore Bloodshot, um, who recently relocated to Brooklyn, New York to work production. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. On, uh, and I think he's working on the Brooklyn movie that's shooting right now. Really? Uh, yes. I believe that's the code name. Film, but, oh. uh, I was about to say I was like we already we had a Brooklyn a movie named Brooklyn in the past oh yeah I remember that five movie. years yeah with that period Berlin. piece yeah yes, exactly. yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I worked cool. on that actually. That's weird. I forgot oh, about that's that. That's so cool. How yeah, cool. I'm Coney Island, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. So, rushing from New York Comic, I was lucky enough to find um, someone jumping out of the cab, and I ran my ass over there to get over to this screening at the Robin Williams Center. And uh, wow, it's the American version of Downton Abbey, Gilded, uh, the Gilded Age, and uh, it was the uh, yeah the the season um, season two finale or season one finale. I I guess it's a season one finale i don't know i I, no i thought it was season two but then i went to look for it because it's an hbo show right and 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 it's not on television so was that not the was it are we sure was it 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 is on hbo and uh um yeah what we just saw was the season one finale (laughs) okay so yeah the season one finale because I watched the first season and to my recollection, they did not um, like, I, for some reason, don't remember the coming out ball that was portrayed in the, uh, in the episode. So for me, I, for, for some reason, I was like, I thought they said that they were going to be showing a finale. Right. And then I saw it and I was like, is this the finale of the second season right. or is this the premiere of the second right. season? Because I don't recall all of that tra- that transpired. I mean, I saw it like right when it came. I was right. I- I'm usually the last person to watch something. I was the first person that I knew that watched the, the Gilded Age because I love Carrie Coon. The second I saw that Carrie Coon was Fantastic. on something. Again, on television, I was like, I'm into it. I don't care what it is. And then I immediately kind of got obsessed with it. Uh, I love Kristen Baranski. That was like the main reason. When you asked me if I wanted to go, I was like, (laughs) I was like, I don't like going to the city on the weekends unless I'm, you know, getting paid to. But then when I was like, I'm in. And then I was like, I got, I wanted to see you. We had a blast. and we really did. We had the best time. And yeah. and then I then I was like, oh, I'm also going to be in the same room as Kristen Bransky. Okay. Like, honestly, I was in the back of the theater and I felt like her fabulosity was searing a hole through my being. <laughs> so, and also Morgan Spector is amazing. I had not yep. recognized him from anything else, but when I started watching The Gilded Age, um, I know they asked who is your favorite character, just like throw it out. Right. And personally, I, my favorite character is probably Mr. Russell, which uh, is who he plays. Um, and also that this like Irish kid that's across the street that wasn't there. But anyway, um, yeah. I also really like, uh, I can't remember what her name is at the well, end. Oh, at the end, that was uh, Louisa Jacobson, I believe, if you're referring to. No, the, uh, the other one. Oh, the other actress, yes. Uh, I'm not she, recalling her name, but Louisa Jacobson Interesting enough, um, is the daughter of the great Meryl Streep. Yes. Uh, and uh, I believe she's the youngest, the youngest, youngest of yeah. the three daughters. And yeah. She, and I remember the the panel talking about what their first SAG job was, Screen Actors Guild yeah. job was. And she said, I think it's the Gilded Age. I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, to jump right into that, that kind of role is, uh, well, you know. She that was help. really wild. Little family help, right? You know? Well, I mean, I don't think she, I don't think she's ever used Streep as her personal name. Yeah, well, that's her, her, yeah, because Gummer is their last name. 
Yeah, but is she married or is she? Or is she that's her. She just has a. a I think that's her name. second name. I think that's her second name. Yeah. Okay. Her, her other two sisters are go by. Uh, I think it's Grace and uh, Mammy Gummer. Mm-hmm. Which is their father. But now uh, Grace is now Mrs. Mark Ronson. So oh, that's excellent right. producer. Uh, that's right. And, you know. Yeah, I've been former to a, DJ. I guess he's I, kind of a DJ. Yeah, so. I've been to a party that that he was uh, spinning at. I'm a big fan of Mark Ronson. He's great. He really is fantastic. And it kind of like irks me in a way because there's a lot of roles that I have been submitted for and only, only asked to audition for a couple that, uh, that Grace Gummer has gotten. And I, uh, one of them being the, I can't remember what her full name is, but um, the FBI, the, the, yeah, the FBI agent on right. Mr. Robot. Yes. Um, yes. Personally, I feel, I feel myself like to be much more of a Darlene kind of character, but I, I'm obsessed with Mr. Robot. But I do remember being submitted for that role um, as well as in a, sh- a, a independent film called um, We Are uh, We Are Unsatisfied. And again, fucking grace gummer got the role so then to see her then to see her being like the life partner which i'm actually really happy that mark ronson has found a beautiful wife she's very lovely and competent and talented and i hear you know i I feel like she's a good person um (laughs) and he he seems very happy which you know he went through an incredible like incredibly difficult divorce uh not too, too long ago, a couple of years ago, I want to say, uh, right. maybe like just before quarantine even, which like, can you imagine having to like deal with that kind of upset, heartbreak, uh, life shattering experience and then be in lockdown, like in actual full, like New York style lockdown right. for two years. <laughs> Awful. So right. as much as I'm like, um, are you living the life that I should be living? Grace Gummer? <laughs> I, I also want to say high five, high five. Been, right? Right. Yeah. So that was uh, that was the uh, the Gilded Age, which is a lot of fun. So you and I take a, a brief walk over to the AMC Lincoln Square, right? And yes. we check out this amazing film that could have some Oscar contention, right? The oh. Banshees of Inisherin, which is directed by Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough, which you might know, Ma- written from- and directed. Yes, written and directed. You might know his work uh, from the Three Billboards in uh, Ebbing, Missouri, I believe. Yeah. Um, yes, which three is, billboards. Yeah, yeah, three billboards. Yes, and um, we saw the film, and we got treated to a Q and A with actor extraordinaire Colin Farrell and Barry Keoghan. And uh, well, let's just first of all talk about the film. Uh, the film, wow, I, I just it was so unique. Just like three billboards, uh, it's it's a very there's no other films like a Martin McDonough film, you know. Uh, it's true. It, it it first of all, he he his genre is dark comedy, dark comedy, black yeah. comedy, which um, you know, deals with a lot of death, but it's presented in a, in a comedic way, and the deliveries are, can be very comedic. But uh, um, yeah, this film was shot during the, like the like the right in the right in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. And and uh, shooting in a um, an island in a in, in Ireland is obviously the safest place uh, during the pandemic pre-vaccine where you can shoot right and uh, cinematography was phenomenal was beautiful uh, and the performances 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Colin and Barry and, and Brendan Gleeson, they're all they're all Irish by uh, by uh, you know by ethnicity, um, but uh, they all just really killed literally and figuratively those really ones, right they really did yeah. uh, i was telling you that i have a, a little insight into the irish mystique the irish yeah. experience um before i met my first love who was an irishman i was already an enormous fan of neil jordan he's my favorite director right. who wrote and directed the crying game and breakfast on pluto and uh also directed interviewed the vampire so uh, but then my first love was Irish, like from the West Coast of Ireland, which I literally called the land that time forgot in County Clare yeah. is where he lived. And I felt like after I watched that movie that his his response, amen, my my first love would be, wow, that really that really captured the best and the worst parts of Ireland, you know, of like being Irish <laughs> like, of the Irish mystique, because there's kind of. Um, Gosh, you know, there's just kind of it was funny and depressing and, and depressing at the same time. Shock yeah. and, and shocking. shocking. Without and, without and, any spoilers. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and like death. almost comical in the way that they presented some yes. of the most um you gruesome. know gruesome aspects. Yeah. Well, right? and, 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 and we walked into, I was like, I don't know. I was like, what is this film about? And you're like, I don't know. I think it might be um I don't know if there's something like sci-fi-ish about it. I was thinking it, the or... Banshees, you know, the Irish Banshees. Yeah. Know, and I, That's where my mind was going through until I, I read the synopsis and then saw it was Martin McDonough. And um... and there are ghosts, but I, think, I feel like, I mean, they're ghosts, like in the sense that like people being like ghosts of themselves, you know, yes. like, like, yes. like the walking dead, but without being a zombie in like the very overt walking dead kind of way. So... Um, I was really impressed and floored. And I mean, uh, Colin Farrell did such an incredible job. I was yeah. really, so, I used to be pretty hard on Colin Farrell. Like yeah. it took me a while to believe that Colin Farrell could act. And then I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know what it took? I can't remember which role it was, but, but basically the first role that I ever saw him just be able to be a fucking like Irish gobshite. And I was like, that's iron. That's fucking Colin Farrell. <laughs> anyway, and this, it's like he was able to be an Irishman, um, but have yeah. a lot more uh, humanity and, and nuance and just emotion. And he's just, uh, he was great. All the performances were really exceptional. The cinematography was exceptional. The use of animals <laughs> in the cinematography, as yeah. well as like kind of like secondary characters. Yeah. Um, they were the kind of like, aspect, you're yeah, right. so it's really important. interesting how they came out and in and out of the foreground, you know, mm -hmm. at some points they'd be or, or in and out of the background, you know, sometimes be, they'd be part to, of a shot, such, like an essential part of the story. Yeah. And then all of a sudden yes. you're like this, this animal is a character now. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I, yeah, it's just um, in the most bizarre way, which right. I feel, but is my favorite favorite thing about a lot of Irish storytelling is how uh, really the human experience is captured in both these very subtle way, like subtle experiences, like subtle right. emotional things, and then really big dramatic, like the ones that you're like, oh shit, like the <laughs> grotesque, the whatever. Um, and it was really great, really uh, unexpected. <laughs> unexpected. Yeah. And then the great Q and A right after, uh, 
Colin and and Barry uh, Keoghan, uh yeah, talked about the shooting uh, in in a Sheeran and uh, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, and just uh, working with Martin and uh, that was a very entertaining aspect as well. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Barry, Barry, Barry was Keoghan, uh, yeah. Barry played such a crucial role in right. that yeah. in that film, and then to I I also I you know you could see the um, um immediacy of what he is and what he brings as a person and how it immediately applied to the role but then you also got to see how much work he had to do also to kind of create this person and I thought it was really fascinating during the talk back when he was saying that he kind of like threw stuff out there and just tried a bunch of stuff you know he like went in there with ideas and then would just like try it and then let Martin kind of like hone it in you know yeah. Uh, and I was like, wow, that, it was really awesome to, I don't think I, I don't know if I would have liked the, I loved the film, but I, I, no, I liked the film a lot, but I feel like I loved the film being able to hear a little bit more about the, the storytelling process and yes. the, how it came together from those two. Exactly. That's why the, the SAG-AFTRA uh, screens that allows us to, to be a part of this Q and A is just, it's just another added aspect that makes it just so much more more enjoyable so mm-hmm. that was really cool we had a good time in new york but uh, let's throw out some movie stuff um before our, our special guest uh, joins us so well uh number one at the box office is the smile movie wow so uh, yeah so this is sozy bacon this is kevin bacon's daughter's uh horror wow. movie um that um despite a very uh, bad overall box box office been the past couple weeks um, of course, there's some big ones coming out next week with Halloween Ends and Black Adam. That is your number one movie. Um, and um, Lyle Lyle Crocodile uh, comes up to uh, second place in the box office. Um, Amsterdam, which uh, we're going to talk to one of the actors. Uh, it was a very big budgeted period piece movie by David O. Russell. And as you know, David O. Russell uh, directed the Joy movie from a few years ago. Uh, apparently was one of the year's biggest flops. So it only opened to a mere 6.5 million. Despite like an all-star cast, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Chris Rock, Taylor Swift, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro. Uh, I did not know if someone had put Rami Malek for like more prominently on the publicity photo, like poster, I feel personally, I would have paid more attention. (laughs) It's not that I don't like, there are a ton of actors that you just named in there. Um, When I say actor, I do, I am referring to actors and actresses, both. um, And, but if I had found out that Rami Malek, that's, you, he gets my butt in seats. I would have added I'm, eight bucks to that box office, Kim. I would, I would have, I would have just rubbed those numbers up just up one a little bit, right? Singular person. And, and <laughs> the fourth and fifth uh, movies uh, of the box office is The Woman King and Don't Worry, Darling, respectively, which both movies had been number one at some point. But uh, what is the deal? I'm sorry if you like recently talked about what uh, it's. What is it, Darling? What is it don't called? Don't worry, Darling. Don't yeah. worry, Darling. That's a Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Olivia Wilde's second directorial effort, and uh, it was a mind fuck of a film. I was lucky enough to get was a last year, but um, yeah, it was uh, last year. I got it. I got a sneak peek. Whoa. Last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I think it's Al Celebrity Soto. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. In, it's in theaters now, but it's in theaters now. Um, it's got a hell of a twist. It's got a hell of a twist, and another amazing cast. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's Lawrence Pugh and Chris Pine and Harry Styles and you know. Um, what is that? So I never, I had never heard of that film until the internet exploded with is Olivia, right? is, yeah, is Olivia about this, uh, is Olivia Wilde a shitbag? And That's did, she, did, did Harry Styles yeah. get the boot or did she try to like well, uh, Shia say LaBeouf, that? Shia LaBeouf got the boot initially. Harry Styles right. came in and replaced the Shia. Right. For the yeah. lead role. It was supposed to be shy opposite Florence Pugh. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, that, that that caused a lot of drama between um um Olivia and uh Shia. And of course there's also um yeah, also Florence and, and, and Olivia didn't see a lot of uh, didn't see eye to eye for a lot as well. And then of well, course Yeah. That's what I heard. Right. Hello. Yes. I, I think, welcome. I think, wow, we have our special guest a little early. <laughs> okay. Well we'll, we'll, we'll we'll take it. I wanted to make sure that I understand Skype. So okay. <laughs> Oh yeah. Lack lack of uh, technical abilities, you know? Oh, that's okay. We'll, we'll we'll I guess we'll start a little early then, right? What what the heck? Okay. <laughs> We're going to go straight to our special guest of the evening, guys. We have an actor extraordinaire who uh can be seen in um this amazing movie Amsterdam that I got a chance to ch check out. This past Friday, uh, and he's appeared in The Staircase, Gray Man, Better Call Saul, Stranger Things. Man, what um, an amazing resume. Actor Martin Harris. Thanks Yay. for joining us here on BTB. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I got to admit, yeah, Amsterdam, wow, what a film to be a part of. That is basically the most A-list cast i have ever seen in one project when you got uh word that you would be working on that film what were your initial thoughts okay so i was sitting at home for like eight nine months during pandemic so yeah. i was used to that lifestyle and then suddenly i got a phone call that i have to be on set and i come to bed and i see rami malek robert de niro michael shannon anya taylor joy margot robbie a christian bell <laughs> my first day <laughs> by the way christian bell who when when we started filming, uh, like he came to us because he I think I think he was friends with Colin Camp and I was sitting with Colin Camp, who who played in this movie one of the characters as well, and I think they knew each other from the past. So he came, and then I realized after the whole day of filming and and my realization even got you know more confirmed in upcoming days that he was talking to to Colin and to us uh, as himself but using the mannerism of the character he was playing. So he <laughs> broke the character throughout the whole filming. So never, not for a second. Wow. wow. And your character is one of the bun chanters. And I remember that scene. It's one of the scenes at the end, of, towards the end of the film, correct? Yeah. We're on stage and uh, yeah, I, I caught that scene. Uh, uh, you, uh, in, uh, I guess in some kind of military attire, yes? Yes, yes. yes. The, scene, the scene, you know, it, I'll tell you a funny story. I've never, I've never said the whole story before. So the scene was a little bit different the way we shot it. And I think they edited things around. And, and so we didn't really film, we didn't really chant at Robert De Niro initially. 
Okay. We had that battle. With, first, we had that battle with, uh, of course, Margo, David, Chris Rock. When we, you know, shout at each other, then it goes gets into a fight. But it was just a longer sequence. But it started like the scene that we initially filmed was prior to Robert De Niro giving a speech. There was like a, a, a yes. we had with Christian, which we, like we chanted them, and Robert De Niro says that he's not gonna give the speech if we are not removed from the building. Ah. So we are getting removed from the building by Alessandro Nivola and uh, and the other guy, uh, Matthias Schoenert, while Alessandro Nivola is secretly kind of on our side. So in the final version of the film, they didn't go with that angle, I think. And yeah. Is there a disappointment with that when, when things get edited? You know what? I'm, it's just different. And, and it was a little bit longer, I guess. But at the same time, the way it is, it's a, it's a fun bit. And it makes sense. I think it works well for, for the whole structure of the film. I think it's great that they end with De Niro's speech because I think it's a very substantial speech. I think it, it, it's important what he talks about. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's the right message that comes out with this film. And if, we, if they ended up with, with all that quirkiness and all that dark humor of what we were trying to do, I would say it will be more into dark comedy than into sending a message. So they went with sending a message. Right. Yeah, and it did have some dark comedy aspects to it. Of course, there was, yeah. There was, yeah, and then it had some death involved. We we just, we just watched another uh, um, dark comedy in uh, Banshees of Inisherin, and uh, now we're talking about your film. Um, tell us a little bit about um, working uh, close closely because you were right there uh, with with Christian Bale, with Robert De Niro. Did you talk like in between takes? Did you get a, a chance to chat maybe in craft services, <laughs> catering maybe? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, with with some of those people, absolutely. With Robert De Niro, who was my childhood hero, I wouldn't dare. Yes. To, <laughs> I would be I, starstruck. I'm like, Mr. De Niro, I wouldn't dare to do that, no. So, oh. because, but he was extremely professional. He would come to set, he would leave right. the set, he would come to set, do his thing, he would leave the set. But, uh, yeah, we, we talked between each other, of course. We t- I spoke with uh, a little bit with Rami, a little bit with Marco, but at the same time, yeah, inspired it. by Christian at the very beginning when I was on set, yeah. And the way he was in character throughout the whole thing. Very I, method. Very method. Yeah, exactly. I I felt like I made a decision that I'm gonna be the the angry math Nazi. Like the the other two guys who are with me, they're more like normal. I'm I'm I decided I'm gonna go 110% angry. <laughs> and no, it's funny because when I did that, and and I was that's why I stayed away from people on that last day a little bit, you know. Yeah. But when I did that, it felt good in the moment, you know. And then later they put it in the trailer. They put it in every single trailer, like that little bit. So yeah. I was happy that it worked, you know. The decision I made, you know, it kind of worked because it it looks like an angry Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not the first time I played a Nazi. It's actually my go-to role. I played it 15 times. Oh yeah, it seems like that. Yeah, I mean you're you're Polish by nationality, but yeah, you know these uh, German roles and and and, and yes. you know Eastern yeah, European yeah. roles come up very often, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I actually did, did uh, grow up partially in Germany, so I uh, oh, wow. I I speak English more with German accent than with Polish accent. Okay, mm. 
Yeah, and I and I think uh, also like I look more German Scandinavian than Eastern European. I still sometimes get those roles, but I don't have like a typical Russian look, which sometimes hurts me when I go against actors who you know who look more Russian than I do. Right, and I want to get into some of those other roles, but really quick, I was curious how what was it like being directed by David O. Russell. Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you this. It's a. It, listen, you guys are getting from me premium stuff because I've never said it before. <laughs> Give it to us. You know how I got the part, I'll tell you that. Yes, please. I did, I did so we know what to do for, for, we're both actors here, myself and Elisa. Okay, actors, so. So, so they told David that I'm the German speaker. And David looks into my eyes and he says, tell me in German, Tom Brady is the greatest football player of all time. And I said it and he said, you are hired. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow that is yeah. great yeah that was, was this in the, the audition process or no, i mean i it, this was kind of an audition process you know oh, like wow. an audition audition i was pretty much brought to david and and you know and he hired me on the spot pretty much that was that's what happened yeah you know wow. and it happened other people on set you know i like one of the guys was uh i think um he told me the story. I think that's like actually a funny story. One of the actors told me that, that he was uh, in, he's like a karate, karate master. Yes. And he was, he was in his dojo and they told him that there is a private client that wants, wants, wants to take a class. And it was David and, and they became friends. And then he, he also brought him on board of the film. Oh, wow. Look at that. Very, very that's cool. Amazing. Yeah, because yeah. I'm seeing your credit on IMDb as a consultant. So are you are you hired when you're a consultant for for maybe German dialect coaching, perhaps? Yeah, sometimes I do that. Sometimes yeah. I do, sometimes I do Polish. Sometimes uh, I work in post production as a linguist. Uh, that 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 was more in the past. Right now, I would say I act more, but it 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 happens sometimes. Yes. Yeah, I saw that with Top Gun, Maverick, Sonic. Scream, yeah. Clifford the Big Red Dog. Uh, I was mm -hmm. looking here at some of your uh, consultant credits. Yes. And you do need that. You need someone that speaks proper Polish, speaks proper German to be able to help the other actors if they have to have an accent or, you know, uh, and I, I know how important that is for, for the project. So, and you no, know, early uh, on, it seems like you did a lot of voice acting. Yeah, I did a lot of voice acting, but I'll just yeah. tell you one little thing, you know, like I had a decision when I decided to fully focus on acting a couple of years ago, like I would say five, six years ago, I had yeah. a decision to make and I, I was thinking, should I spend the next, let's say, three, four years trying to reduce accent to speak like an American person, you know? Right. Everybody's American, but you know what I mean, like standard American. Yeah, to broaden your role yeah. range. Yeah. Exactly. Standard or, American. Exactly. And I think I'm still going to, that's my next step to probably get like a southern accent. I think that's 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 a goal for me. Because I kind of, the, the older I get, I think the more I look that way. So... <laughs> Less Nazi-ish, more south southernish. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you got. But, but I'll tell you. So I made a decision that instead I'm gonna, you know, invest my time into learning more languages, more European languages. So now I speak eight different languages. Whoa! Wow. Yeah, and I play Croatian roles. I play Czech roles. I play German roles. I play Russian roles. I play Danish. I play Dutch recently on a film. You know, so that's fantastic. That helps me also in voiceover work. So to to connect both both topics. Yeah. You speak Dutch, you say? I love, I love it too much, but I got, I'm able to do it. And I, you know, I had my friend, I have a friend of mine who is uh, one of the leads on the show. Uh, our flag means death. He's Dutch. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and when I have a Dutch job, I, I run things by him and he tells me what I say right, what I say wrong. 
Wow. I mean, I really, there really is something to just stay, staying true to who you are. I remember, um, this is like so many years ago, but in the show Treme, which is David Simon's, you know, the series that he did in, in New Orleans after yeah. The Wire. And um, at the time, my friend, uh, she was an actress in New York, and she was actually a nanny for McKeel Hoosman and his wife. They had just moved to the States, and he had a big audition coming up, and they wanted this guy who played a guitar. He kind of didn't know where he was, but he was supposed to be like a vagabond kind of, you know, musician. And he was really self-conscious. He was like, I've been working on getting rid of my accent, but... I can't really do this role and play the guitar and do all this stuff in this audition process and, 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 and be, you know, present essentially. I have too many of like these technical things and they're like, you know what, just, just do how you're going to do it. And, you know, if you're right, you're right. And not, and instead they made it so that his character was actually a foreign, you know, musician who kind of like finds his way called to the streets of new orleans because of the music even if he doesn't have a place to stay or any money in his pocket so they really wrote it into the character because you know it just fit <laughs> so i think you made the right choice that's amazing and i also was looking at your imdb i'm a huge better call Saul fan i did not watch um much of the breaking bad before i started watching yeah. better call Saul. Um, and it's funny because I know exactly who you are in, in, uh, in the series, the, the German bartender. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. and it's such a pivotal, like, um, story arc, you know what I'm saying? Uh, this whole time spent in Germany in the last season. Yeah. So how, how was that? How was working on that set? It was incredible. I, like in the last three years, I was lucky that uh, every single job I did on those major, major productions, I, I had at least one very good friend out of it. And mm -hmm. I can tell you that I became very close friends with the lady that plays Madeleine Ziegler. Uh -huh. yes. in, in that episode, we're very, Andrea, we're, we're very good close friends right now. So that's, so awesome. that's great. Uh, I remember that, you know, when I, when we came, it was me and those two other, the German, the German kids that, that play the games, they flew us together. So we were spending all, all our time together, we were staying in the same hotel. Uh, remember that when we checked into the hotel, uh, there was a letter from, from Bob Adenkirk waiting for all mm. of us. First <gasps> letter, like, oh. thank you for joining the last, you know, the last season of, of my show. Yes. Mm -hmm. Everybody was so incredibly nice and, and inclusive. And, and Tony Dalton, for him, that was his, come back to the to the series that was like his comeback scene and the way it was shot well my, my first reaction when i saw that is like oh the camera is not on me at the beginning but then it makes perfect sense because it's it's the reveal that he's in germany right yeah right. Martini Bitte, and people are like oh lao is alive you know yeah yeah very, it was such cool. a i what a cool like what an awesome scene as I'm saying like it's such a pivotal scene and a pivotal story arc and the last season of this amazing series like Absolutely. you really you really <laughs> got like the the golden egg I don't know what to, the golden ticket <laughs> and, and you know what one, one more thing that I finished watching the show and I got one bad habit from uh, from from Better Call Saul. Oh I can't God. stop eating. Uh, what's it called? Cinnabons. I keep. <laughs> oh. <eating. laughs> That's, That's hilarious. It's a Cinnabon. I cannot stop. That 
That show for me personally, because, you know, being in Albuquerque, New Mexico for the rest of it, is they're always right. talking about these like really amazing taco places. <laughs> I would always leave watching, you know, I'd binge watch, you know, episodes at a time. And then I'd be like, oh, I need to get tacos like right now. But so Cinnabon was, was the, but the you know what I you know what I've learned? And I, I didn't know, but it makes perfect sense because like I couldn't understand before I went there why Breaking Bad is placed in Albuquerque. I'm like, OK, you know, like you have different locations. You know, they should, let's say, wire in, in Baltimore. They shoot exactly. shows, you know, Atlanta. But why, why Albuquerque? Why Albuquerque? Mm -hmm. And then when I was in Albuquerque and I spoke to a guy who was driving us around, he was working as a driver for, for this uh, for this season, I think, or a few episodes, he was a former cop, and he told me how much of a of a meth problem is in Albuquerque. Mm. Like wow. how do you deal with that? And it's like the the, the capital of meth problem mm -hmm. in the United States. And then then I understood why. Now it makes sense. Bring yeah. That. Better call Saul. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about Stranger Things because that's one of my <gasps> favorite shows. Oh yeah. Prisoner number two, working very closely with David Harbor and the, and the yeah. Russian. Prison uh, scenes. Uh, tell us about your experience on set of that show. You know, that was that was incredible. I would say it all started with Amsterdam because Amsterdam was my first job after after pandemic, like in the middle of pandemic, after oh. doing anything during pandemic. And I, initially, I was super bummed because I had a very good time right before pandemic, where I was where I started finding a rhythm and, and booking a lot of work. I did uh, NCSLA, I did Black Lighting, I did Red Notice uh, with The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, just right. Mm. Before and then I'm on set in Atlanta the last day before pandemic and I'm hearing that people are looting pretty much all the supermarkets in Los Angeles. So the, the last thing I did before leaving, I, I, I got two uh, rolls of uh, toilet paper from my hotel room. <laughs> that was it. So, so Amsterdam gave me like the new, this new confidence, like after rocking Amsterdam, I remember the last day I went home and it finally got to me who I worked with and what kind of project it is because I wasn't thinking, I was focusing on giving the best possible performance and then I got home and it kind of hit me. And I'm like, it, it gave me like, a, like an extra kick of energy. Yes. And I think the next day I auditioned for Greyman and I booked it. And I think two days later I auditioned for Stranger Things and I booked it. So I went to shoot Stranger Things. Initially, I didn't know anything about it. We weren't getting any information what we're doing. I didn't oh, I see. know my role is. Because for three years, I've auditioned for this show for three years. We we're getting the same scripts, audition mm -hmm. scripts. One was the uh, scene from Alien. One was the scene from Casino Royale. They, they do that. They do. They and give you I forgot like bogus about. scripts from other films yeah. because it's yeah. so secretive. Yes. So we were getting sites for the next day, literally 10 p.m. night before the day we were working. We were working like from like 6, 6 a.m. There were insecure links that you couldn't download it. Oh, yeah. Personal. Wow. So, you if, you know, they, they know who is getting it. It, they were, and we signed all kinds of DNAs. I couldn't tell. I couldn't put on uh, my uh, casting profile. I couldn't put yes. on breakdowns that I worked the show until it came out. Until it came out, yeah. But you know what? Great that they did that because when the show came out, I realized how popular it is by the number of people I haven't talked to for the last 25, 30 years reaching out to me that they saw me on Stranger Things. 
by amount of people that were, you know, randomly asking me for like weird, completely weird uh, questions, <laughs> including can I uh, uh, take a dedication from Millie Bobby Brown for support <laughs> child? <laughs> they think, think you're, you're the way to Millie Bobby Brown. I don't think that's funny. Yeah. That is crazy. Tell us about the set uh, with building that Russian prison. And also, did that shoot in Atlanta as well? Yep. Uh, that was in Atlanta. I think they went right for the last final month. They went to New Mexico. I think they filmed okay. some of the stuff there, but it wasn't the right. Russian part. So he, here is how it happened. So, because I've, I've spoke with everyone, we became friends. We're pretty much quarantined together for two weeks before we even stepped on the on set for the first time. Right. And when I got that job, I was super paranoid not to test positive. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, stupid circumstance. I had three masks on the plane. They, they could then, be cast if you did. Yeah. Right? Then, then in a hotel, I would never get into an elevator with another person. I would right. see someone in the elevator. Okay, keep going. Yep. I'm going to the next one, right? Yeah. And and I was cooking. I was cooking in my hotel room for, for those two weeks of quarantine. <laughs> and uh, it was a very small room, so it was easily, you know, it pretty much pretty much in, in day two there was so much smoke that the smoke <laughs> went off and someone is coming to my room and I'm stay away stay away from me. <laughs> because, you, know, you didn't want to get so you didn't want to get COVID and lose the job because every day you were, were getting those emails from network that all your contracts are uh, contingent of you not testing positive for COVID so yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to miss that gig for sure, 100%. Yeah, it's not about getting COVID, the disease. It's all. It's about losing the job. You know? Yeah. That's why we don't. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. Wow. And so, so it all started the first day we went on set. It was for the rehearsal for the final scene. So we oh. did the rehearsal with stunts. We did the re rehearsal with the guy who was wearing the, the green suit uh, with like a little stick. Oh, as the Demogorgon, right? Yeah, who, who was being the Demogorgon, yeah. So we did that first, and then we went uh, for those three episodes I was working on, pretty much every single scene. Every single scene. How did you, uh, what was your experience with David Harbour? I love him. Incredible. They sat us, uh, they sat us next to each other for the, for the dinner scene. Yes, I remember that scene, yes. Yeah, so uh, there was a moment where during, between takes, there was like a, like a big pig's head right in front of me and him yeah. he he like pointed out at it and he said aren't people crazy <laughs> that they want to eat that kind of stuff but uh, on, on the other hand uh we were we were there for the whole day and we we're eating like you know for every take we we're eating like crazy so i think i ate like 15 sausages uh, that <laughs> There was a lot of food. I was curious. Yep. You were actually literally eating. It looked from, like from actually because I checked from actually uh, the Russian, the only Russian like uh, uh, deli place there is in Atlanta. They were they they brought like, traditional Russian food. You know. Wow, you got to make it look legit. You, mm -hmm. One Russian bread. restaurant in Atlanta. Classic gotta... Russian bread was a typical Russian bread, rye bread. Yeah. Wow. Did you have? Did you have to? So did you eat all of those sausages, or were you? I did, yeah. Discarding <laughs> it. Wow. And did you have to do any like stunts or running sequence after that? Because it, I mean, the way it flows, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, after it's edited and stuff, as you know, straight from meal time to run time or <laughs> fight time. I think that 
I think as I remember correctly, the, the whole day was just eating pretty much. So oh, okay. yeah. The running was, was on a different day. Eating some more. Yeah, the uh, physical stuff a different day. Close-ups, yeah. But yeah, pretty much eating. That is oh. so cool, man. Yeah, and that's actually really good planning on production's part. Because, like, you don't oh, need, yeah. you know, there's, like, 15 guys or whatever all oh, doubled yeah. over with cramps because they just shoveled a bunch of food in their mouth. And now you're asking them to, you know, run at full speed 20 times, you know, at a, at a monster. From the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were asked, and we were asked uh, via emails a few days prior to that, what what type of food we prefer to eat, what type of food we don't prefer to eat. I think they made a list of who said what, because they placed the stuff that we really liked in front of us, you know, mm-hmm. like things that we wanted to eat were catered to individual preferences yes. in, in the placement where it was on the table. Oh, right. wow, that's clever to know. Wow. If only they had Cinnabon in 1980s Russia, right? Like I, that, that was before I shot Pedro Cosol, so I wouldn't know about it. Oh, oh okay, that's right, that's right. My bad. That's that right. is so cool, and of course, a very, very pivotal scene because, yeah, you you face the the Demogorgon after that, and yeah, most of you uh, sadly met your fate in that scene, right? <laughs> and and they are they the way they. Because there were only six Russian roles, right? And they right. Start, actually filmed the very first bit that is, I think, episode two of, of that season. I think they filmed in Lithuania. They went to Lithuania oh. at the end of 2019. Okay. And the pandemic happened, so they changed the whole production to Atlanta. They built the whole set. They built the whole prison. Everything looked completely real. The snow. What about the snow? Yeah. The, the, the snow machine? See, right. But... Uh, but it kept it kept falling, and, and the tough part was we were kneeling on that ice in that scene when he's telling us the rules, and then we 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 run and, and get get the weapons. We were kneeling on that on that very hard surface for the excuse me for the whole day. Wow! And that was tough. That that part was really tough. Wow. Yeah. So cool. All right, the staircase. I saw that on your reel. I saw your uh, your. Um... Theatrical reel, um, yeah. and I saw that that role. How was that experience? You had a different look, the suit, the glasses. Yeah, the, the German glasses. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How's that experience? Incredible experience, and I'll tell you why. It's it's kind of a crazy story because they told me last minute about that job. I think someone something must have happened because uh, they called me on Friday, and I was on my way to my birthday party that my friends were throwing for me in Los Angeles. Ah, oh, nice. And I got a phone call that I have to do a COVID test and fly to Atlanta the next day. So obviously that changed the whole dynamic around my birthday. And I, you know, when I was like, you wear a mask. Now you're like, (laughs) when I was able to celebrate, I wasn't celebrating as much. But then the best birthday gift I could I could uh, think of. So the cool story I'll tell you is this, and there are actually a couple of wild stories around that shoot. But I'll tell you the first one. Okay. So I spoke with my UK agent, Sarah, and I told her that I booked the staircase and I'll have a scene with Colin Firth. And she's like, oh, I know him. I'll tell him to say hi. I'm like, okay. And I, so I came on set. It, the first day, I think, was Monday or Tuesday. I, I might have had a fitting, fitting, which I had with Juliet Binoche on Monday, and then I, the first day was Tuesday. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was just two of us at the fitting, which was insane because I watched her as a kid in, in Kieślowski movies. 
so so that was Colin's first day after he had a break because he got COVID and that was his first day back. And when when he found out that I'm playing the German reporter, he came to me and he said, Sarah is a good friend of mine. Uh, she told me that you'll be here. I just want to say hi. My name is Colin, like I didn't know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know she represents his son. That's that's how they know each other. She she represents his son uh, in United United Kingdom. And and Colin was extremely nice. The first day, I was sitting, you know, waiting for the scene with with Sophie Turner, Odessa Young, and Patrick Schwarzenegger, and Odessa brought a book and she was reading a book and she told me that that's how she gets focused before she 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 films her scenes that she reads like a chapter of a book that gets her like grounded focused and then she goes and, and does the job so after my first day on the staircase um the next day my call time was uh, i think like 1 p.m or, or noon i was living next to georgia tech university so i went to their bookstore so I'm like, now I have to bring a book on set. Mm-hmm. I went to that bookstore, but they, all they had was the technical stuff, like how to operate a machine, you know, like how to <laughs> how to drive or whatever, you know. So so I had I, I had difficulty finding the right book, but then I finally found uh, found uh, Plato and his phil- philosophical. Uh, I think it was uh, a dialogue between Socrates and the other philosopher. So I brought that on set, and Odessa, like Odessa, saw me. She's like, "Oh, we'll have an intellectual conversation." Yeah. Yes. Then I hear from the other side of the room, like, and someone saying, "Plato, huh? Plato, you brought Plato." And that was Michael Stuhlbarg, who is one of my. <gasps> me too. Oh, I love him. Did it on Broadway, and then we had a conversation <laughs> for like an hour about everything. Wow. You know. Oh so wow. You know, what triggers what? Sometimes those magical moments happen. Wow. Oh my gosh, I love that. And uh, Michael Stolberg is just yeah. the most. He's, you know, when they talk about star power, you know, being how you get butts in seats, you know, how do you get people out of the house and doing, and again, Michael Stolberg is one of those people for me. I mean, if I say that he's part of a cast, then I'm like, I'm there. I'm there. It doesn't matter what it is. And I actually saw him on, I didn't realize it was him at the time, but uh, um, in Pillow Man on Broadway. I didn't realize that uh, that that was him back there. He was kind of uh, overshadowed a little bit by Jeff Goldblum being, you know, right. part of the cast at the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but um, oh, that's so awesome. He's got the quality. He's got the quality. Like I understand, you know, like I understand where I am as an actor in terms of like what type of career can I have? You know, I'm I'm not Brad T- Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise. Leonardo DiCaprio type of an actor like like Luke was. I'm more of a character actor. For me, the inspirations are people like Paul Giamatti, Michael Stuhlbach, Michael Shannon, whom I met on mm, Amsterdam, right. who I'm talked to on the red carpet in New York when I went uh, for the premiere last last month. You know, like those are my inspirations because those are like the best of the best character actors. I love and, that. And when you see Michael Stuhlbach, for example, in Dopesick, like how amazing he is in that in that show. And then yeah. you watch. On the staircase, and he's completely different on the staircase, and he brings this quality that everything he does looks so simple and so easy, but it's not easy. It's different every single time. That's yeah, the sign of a true really, artist. really, and truly. Yeah, yes. you're absolutely right. I, I, I always think of him and um, Trumbo, Trumbo, and he. I feel like he was in like a ton of movies that year, like just in that award season. 
um, when Trumbo and um, Blue Jasmine and like all of these movies. And I just, there's something that's distinctly him, which is what you also need as a character actor, right? Um, but also completely different as the character. He embodies a completely different person. And especially if you're watching a bunch of screeners back to back, it's something that you can appreciate because you can really judge, you know, see them right next to each other. So, uh, I love that for you. I'm so happy that you got to work with Michael Stolberg too. Oh. Yeah, and, and I well, could have, I could have, first of all, I could have not go to the to the bookstore. I could have made you know, a decision to not buy any books because there was not a single book that I was like, wow, I need to read that. Like, for example, during pandemic, I ordered or all Ian Fleming, James Bond novels, and I read, you know, all of them because I'm a huge fan. Like here, there was not like one book I would be like. Okay, I need to read that, but I decided to get this one, and that sparked the whole conversation with Michael Stuhlberg that would have never happened if I didn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Right. Well, speaking so, of authoring and books, uh, this is pretty awesome. I want to talk about this. You're, you started as an international sports writer, broadcaster, and author with specialty in NBA basketball, and you credit the late, great Kobe Bryant for giving you the advice to follow your dreams and become an actor. Can you talk to us about that moment when Kobe Bryant actually uh, was inspiration for that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I started my my thing as a, as a kid was I hoping to be, I, I was hoping to become a rock star. I, I was convinced when I was eight, nine, ten years old that I'll be the, the next uh, uh, Joe Tempest from Europe or... Uh, <laughs> Heavy metal band called Army of Darkness back in the yeah, I did, I did, I did. We, we, we tried. Wow. It our best. It didn't work out. But uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, what happens for a reason, right? It was the time when uh, grunge became popular. And I was very, uh, as a, especially in my younger days, I was very uh, like one sided when I, when I had an idea that I want to do something that had to be it. So we couldn't come to agreement about playing, as, you know, we couldn't compromise. I wanted to play clean metallic sound. My guitar guy wanted to play dirty sound because he was a fan of Nirvana at the time. And, and I wasn't. I don't like all. So, uh, so I was 17. I didn't know what to do. I just, you know, the label that was interested in signing us, you know, I, you know they, they liked me. They said, you seem, because I was uh, responsible for writing lyrics for us. Uh, so they said, why don't you write reviews for our uh, promotional materials? And that's how I got into writing in journalism. It's just after two years of writing about rock music and I didn't want to write about pop music, I couldn't find, uh, I couldn't find much income uh, from, from doing that. And somebody told me, why don't you try sport? You always like sport. And in six months after I started writing about sport, I already started making you know, very good living out of it. And, and, and I, get, I was getting a lot of offers to, because, you know, I spoke English, which at the time in Poland wasn't really a common thing. And I could write about NBA, I could write about soccer. So I was getting a lot of uh, job offers. And after less than one year of doing, doing my sports writing, I was sent to New York for All-Star Weekend as a, I believe 19 or 20 years old. And Kobe was almost exactly my age. So we kind of clicked. Wow at that time initially and then i went to the nba finals in indianapolis when he won his first title then i went to philadelphia when he won mvp i believe of this all-star game my first trip to los angeles in 2003 i uh, saw him scoring 55 points against michael jordan in michael jordan's final game against him so he came to me after that game and he said you bring me luck 
I want you around. No, it was <gasps> wow. Yeah, and, and then four years later, I come in 2007, where I started getting tired from my from my sports writing career. I felt like I reached the ceiling where I don't feel inspired by it anymore. I just turned 30 years old, and I was thinking, what next can I do in life? You know, like sure. what what can I find fulfilling? I was first I was thinking about being a screenwriter. Then I went to see uh, Al Pacino on stage uh, here in LA. Uh, and there was also a very unknown actress at the time named Jessica Chastain. So I saw them performing live. Oh, and that was very inspiring. So I'm like, why don't, you know, maybe, maybe I should think about doing that. Maybe I should try. I don't know if I'm good enough, but maybe I should try. That would bring me to those like childhood dreams of being a rock star, but now in the form of acting. Yes. Uh, it was yeah, it was 2007, and Kobe Bryant wanted to get traded, and he had like bunch of local media asking him questions after every game. And I think when he saw me, I, for him, I was kind of an escape from that. So he was talking to me, and he was like, "Hey, Martin, let's go, let's go from here," you know, because he didn't want to answer any more questions. So we were we would walk, we would take walks in the tunnel after the games, and after one of the games, I remember precisely it was against Seattle SuperSonics. Kevin Durant was a rookie on that team. We were, we were walking through from the Lakers locker room to the parking area. It's the hall, like a circle in Staples Center at the time. And it's like a good 10, 12 minutes walk. And then I asked him, Kobe, what do, you, what do you think I should do? Should I stick to what I have and play it safe and, you know, start family and just earn money and have a career and, and live, live my life like that? Or should I go crazy and move here and start from scratch and and try acting, try Hollywood? And he said, what is your heart telling you? I said, my heart is telling me to try. He said, then always follow your heart. Wow, that's wow. beautiful, man. That is incredible. To get advice from, from, from one of the greatest of all time that's played the sport of, of basketball, who sadly yeah. is no longer has died tragically in that. Yeah, I know, man. It's like in 2016, I saw, I saw him when he scored 60 points, and, and that was his final game. And at the time, I was already, because, you know, my, like, transitional my transitional career was, I was I was doing a little bit of stand-up for a few years. Oh, and that's cool. how I got to, to, like, to acting, acting, you know. It was awesome. a long process. So I was busy with that. I was running my own show at the comedy store, and, and I, you know, like, I didn't have time to go to games anymore. So we uh, lost touch for a few years. But then I came to the game, I remember till this day, it was December 29th, 2019. He, he was with his daughter Gianna, right? And he saw me in, like in the tunnel when he was leaving the, from, from the court area through the tunnel, he saw me in the right. tunnel and he gave me a big hug, you know, and he, I hope you were good, you know, like, you know, in wow. a little conversation. And three weeks later he was dead, you know? So I almost yeah. feel like it was, meant to be for me to say goodbye to him that way. I'm so glad you got to say goodbye to him. So getting that role on winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty, that must have been a, a big deal for you. Surreal. I actually replaced someone who I think failed COVID test. They called me a night before, uh, so I didn't know what, what, what I'm going to do. And then they put me in the scene as a, as a police officer. And I'm directed by Jonah Hill. He was the director of that. Of that so... <gasps> I party with that guy. He's fun people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for me it was it was incredible. 
because uh, I wrote a book about the Lakers, right? And um, yes. and I'll say one thing, like for me, when when I heard about what happened to Kobe Bryant for three days, I was I was like numb. I couldn't I couldn't collect my thoughts. I was absolutely shocked, depressed. Oh yeah, it, it hit me very 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 hard. And I'll tell you this: up until that time, I was still writing a little bit, you know, about sports. Yeah, I was still going to games. I was still doing some, you know, stand up. I was still thinking about doing more shows. I was, you know, I was doing five, six, seven, eight different things. And when that happened, after three days of mourning, I'm like, what he tried to tell me in 2007, it's mean, follow your heart. And, and if you didn't quite 100% follow it, you know, you followed a little bit, but you didn't give like 100% commitment because you were doing all those other things. Right. And I decided to fully focus on acting, even if sometimes that means you don't work for a month and you go crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But I decided to to go for acting, and I was rewarded with all those with all those projects that came right after I made that decision, almost almost immediately, right? So, so one more time, Kobe's advice, even post mortem, uh, played a big impact in my life for like on, on my second try, almost. Wow, what a wow. story, Martin! Wow. And I want to talk about one more before we let you go, and that's working on The Gray Man, which is one of those highlighted projects. Mm -hmm. Um, Huge film, uh, Netflix, one of Netflix's biggest films of all time, wasn't it? And and I guess they're hinting at a sequel, but I was curious about your experience on The Gray Man. Yeah, I almost missed that gig because I was uh, initially booked for two episodes of Stranger Things, and they extended me on Stranger Things for the third episode. And I I had already my dates for uh, Gray Man. And I remember... And I'm, I kid you not, my last day on Stranger Things, AJ Bruno, who, who was uh, second AD, and he was responsible for, you know, for communicating between between directors and producers and actors, runs to me at 7.30 p.m. local time in Atlanta, showing from, from distance, you, you rap, you rap. So I could call Uber, drive to the airport to wow. catch my last plane to Los Angeles because oh, I had to get my bidding next morning in Long Beach. So if that didn't happen, I would have missed Raymond. You but would have missed Raymond. Last minute, they finally let me go on Stranger Things. I was able wow. to play. I was able to, after sleeping for two and a half hours, three hours, go to sitting in Long Beach. And by the way, I shouldn't say that because at the time there were still some, some COVID restrictions about traveling from state to state. But right. well, well, I couldn't made it. You got to do it. <laughs> it's already it's already in the can, kid. Don't worry about it now. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to the Gray Man set. How was it? It was great. I met actually um, a friend of mine, and it's weird how in this business and how in this this uh, in this body of work we meet we run into people that you didn't see for many many years, but you share some past with. And a friend of mine, uh, we were in Beverly uh, Hills Playhouse, which is an acting school in Los Angeles. And uh, we were born in the same class back in 2011. And then 11 years later, uh, we're on set and he's the one of the head of uh, stunt coordinators on the film. And I'm an actor in it. And and we we work together for, for the whole day. And they, I think, also because of that little bit, kept me for for more time, for more days as a consultant mm-hmm. after I did my acting part and help with, with the Czech language a little bit. Oh wow! So, so yeah, it, it was it was a fun experience. And right after Graham and I did the Lakers show, and then the Better Call Saul. So those three months, Amsterdam, Stranger Things, uh, 
Rayman, Lakers show, and Better Call Saul, all in less than three months. That was that was crazy. You're on fire. You're on that, fire, that Martin. Best, my, the best three months for me, you know. That is fantastic. Well, Martin, we thank you so much, man. This is an incredible Thanks. interview and yeah. an inspiration uh, for actors. And I guess one more question. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give for, for the actors trying to, to, to make it, trying to become a working actor? Of course, oh, there's so many actors, uh, myself and Elise included, you know, we – we love we love what we do, but um, do you have any advice um, now that you're at that level that you can give? You know, there's still more more levels to to go to, and I you always want to challenge yourself to do better. Uh, I think you know to to keep to keep growing. There's yeah, I think that sometimes I I'm seeing like certain patterns in in certain careers, you know, like because I like to look at that. You know, Kobe used to do it with basketball where sometimes people book few things and then they get a huge ego and they stop working, right? Because they feel like, oh, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. You, you have to keep keep yourself uh, hungry, but the most important is the love for the game. You just have to love the game. If, if you, you know, there's so many people that I met, especially in my early days in the, in Los Angeles, in, in pursuing acting, that they, they I think they pursued acting for wrong reasons. For the fame? For whatever, fame yeah. or trying to impress people. or Right. Killing. They didn't love the craft of it. I mean, there, there's no bad reason per se as long as you're really willing to do whatever it takes uh, craft-wise in terms of like learning your craft and working on your craft without getting in, in immediate uh, gratification in terms of I do this and this and this, that means I'm going to get this and this job. No, it doesn't work that way in acting. You know, you can keep working, 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 working. Nothing happens. And then suddenly few things happen and you don't expect that. This is just, but it doesn't, doesn't make you pick those moments because it's not up to you. You have to keep working on your craft every day, no matter how busy you are with actual gigs. You just have to find, find ways to learn a new language, uh, learn a new skill. Uh, I don't know. You want, you know, the, for example, you, you think what show you like, Cobra Kai? Why don't you try to learn some karate, right? Yes, I love that show, by the way. Maybe that will help. <laughs> or uh, singing, or ballet, or, or taekwondo. You know, there's there's so many more things you can you can learn, and that that can help you with your acting. I think the fact that I worked as a reporter in my life helped me to get a job yes. as a reporter on the staircase because I knew. Uh, exactly how to play an annoying reporter that goes and and you know like what type, <laughs> what type of annoying would I be to get yeah. him annoyed at me? Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that. Wow, thank you so much, Martin. This is great, man. Oh, and uh, before before we uh, end, uh, if you do a promo for us, let us know who you are throughout some of your your works, uh, Stranger Things, uh, The Great Man, Amsterdam, and then let us know you're on Below the Belt show. So I should just say, yeah, say I'm, I'm Martin Harris. You might know me from this and that. Um, and I'm on Below the Belt show. And you can throw out anything you want at the end. Hey, guys, this is Martin Harris from Stranger Things, Amsterdam, Better Call Saul, Staircase, and the voice of Kruger on Call of Duty. You're watching Below the Belt show. And you're listening to Below the Belt show. Yes. Thank you so much, Martin. Incredible. So... And best best of luck to you. Thank you so... we'll be Let me ask you, where you guys live? You're in New York? We're in New York. I'm yes. in New York. Yep. Okay. Uh, you have time or you don't have time? Oh, oh uh, as far as, uh, what, you had something else to add? 
No, 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 not to add to the show, but I'm I want to tell you guys the story before before you go. Or, or yeah, you don't want yeah. Please, yeah? please, yeah, go ahead. Because yeah. I had actually a phone call from a, from a casting director uh, today from New York uh, for a job, and I told him this story, and it, 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 and it didn't tell this story for 15 years, but it's a pretty crazy story for someone who lives in New York. Okay, so I'll tell you that. You, you'll get it as a New Yorker. So in 2003, they, uh, I was hired by a Polish, biggest Polish sports newspaper. And they sent me to for six days to United States to do some uh, exclusive materials. First in New York, then I would be go. Uh, I would be in Los Angeles for three days. That would come for one day in New York and fly back home. And they gave me one of two company uh, laptops, which at the time were like rarity. It was super expensive, and you know, we didn't have that many of. We had two for the whole company, so they gave me like one of the company's laptops. So I stayed in Greenpoint with uh, my friend's uh, family and there was a Polish neighbor. We went out for a few drinks and my plane from LaGuardia was like 4 a.m. And so I didn't sleep at all. And I had a car service order at 3 a.m. And so I come outside and there is no car service. And I'm panicking that I'm going to miss my flights. I'm running around and I see this right. yellow cap and I'm like waving at the yellow cap. And the yellow cap takes me, drives me to the airport. One important information. On the way to the airport, he stopped and a lady comes into the cab on, on the driver's seat, next to the driver's seat, the first passenger seat. And that was the wife of the driver. And she mentioned something that she's also a taxi driver. So they're Polish, we have a little conversation. They drop me at the airport. I go to the airport, I go to the plane. No laptop. No. I mean, three days, I'm flying back, and I know that I'll be in deep, deep trouble. So the next day, I know I have 10 hours pretty much to fix the problem. What do I do? And at the time, they had like 10,000 uh, yellow caps in that district. Yeah. So first I found the closest district, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like trying to explain. They're like, come on, man, you know, go. It's gone. <laughs> Right. But I'm like, I, need, I need it. You know, there's, it's very important for me. It's, uh, I know it was a Polish driver and he had a wife and she was also a Polish driver. How many, you know, couple drivers you have, you know, are, first of all, I didn't know they're in this dispository, but luckily enough, they were. And at some point I was so annoying, so persistent that the guy looked at me and he's like, wrote the number and the address. Here you go. And never come back. So I went back to Greenpoint. I took like a, one of the biggest guys I, I could find to go with me. We go to the address. I knock at the door and I could hear someone moving inside, but it's dark and nobody's answering. Okay, so we went back to Greenpoint, took third guy with us. We go back. I knock one more time. I sense that someone is moving. So I'm like, I just want my laptop. And there was like five days after initially I left the laptop. And there was no guarantee that I left it in the taxi. I could have left it at the airport. There was no guarantee that it's the, the same couple that they were in the taxi, but it was the same couple. So when I said that, they opened the door. My laptop <gasps> comes out. No. What did I find out? They were illegals. They were scared that I'm from the government. Oh my um, God. I had one day to find a laptop in the 
in the cab that I didn't know nothing. Didn't know the plate, didn't know Very the name, lucky. the wow. address, and I got it done. Wow. Ooh. That is like New York story, but like with that reporter investigation, I'm not taking yeah. over an answer. You can hang up on me 50 more times. I'm still going to find, I, I know where your kids, you know, go to school. Yeah, this could be a short film. film. Idea. Short film this idea. is a good one. I actually really like that idea. Good thinking. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So let and us I, know. Hey, the stakes were high because I would get fired probably at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And that's what I think, like, the best, you know, your best acting experience comes from, you know, maybe what's happening in the scene doesn't really speak to you. But you remember that one time that you had 24 hours to get your laptop back before you lost your job and maybe all your credibility (laughs) or and every other job that happened because, like, you lost that one laptop, you know. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's great. You know, took a little bit extra of your time. Sorry for that. I know you. We love it. Awesome. And let's take a photo Wait. op, all right? On on the count of three. Ready? One, two, and did that work? Yeah, it did. Oh. Awesome. Okay. Martin, thank you so much. Have a good night. Thank you, Martin. Thank all you. All the best to you. And all the best, best to you guys too. I'm in the new I'll be in a new season of Miss Maisel. So I went to oh, New York a couple months ago and uh, I'm looking forward to come back more to New York. It's and I love I love the city. Yes. Wow. Please let us know when you're coming to town. Yeah, let's have let's have a drink. And it seems like you do like enjoy a drink or two. So (laughs) you sound like one of us. (laughs) Yeah, I used to I used to enjoy more. I mean, I'm originally from Eastern Europe. I'm I'm more now into like gym and waking up 6 a.m. and meditate kind of portion of my life. You know, but staying staying hydrated. (laughs) Yeah, it's too long. You know, living too long in Los Angeles probably. That's what it is. (laughs) Thank you so much, Martin. You have a good night. You too. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was a great interview. Martin Harris. Um, wow, 2022, uh, certainly his year with all those amazing projects coming out for some of our favorite shows and television, uh, uh, films and television shows for sure. So let's... Absolutely. Um, wow. Typically, we like to do a, a top 20, but obviously we can't do the top 20. Um, but uh, I feel like have... Martin Harris's career is like top 20 and I would love <laughs> to hear more about, you know, because I would love to hear more about, yeah. you know, the writing or oh, the writing process is a whole different, different process yeah. to get into. But I feel like once you have something like, I feel like a writing process is very similar to, um, as long as you do something for acting every single day, you know, whether it's learning a new skill or perfecting a skill that you have. And uh, I would love to hear more about if it were, if it, if there was an over overlap for him that made the transition easier because, you know, you can kind of start to pare down one as you add the other, but having that time in place, like structured and accounted for, or, you know, budgeting that time for it, is uh, an important part of the ritual. So yep. anyway, okay, let's see the right. top 20 now. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> We're obviously not going to get through all of it, but let's talk about some of the highlights. Let's skip a few things. But uh, some cool trailers just dropped, upcoming uh, films that we could check out. One is called Megan with the E as a three instead of an E. It's, uh, wow, what a creepy trailer. It's an, a childlike robot, an AI, artificial intelligence doll that has a murderous taste for blood. And this is from Blumhouse, obviously. And I, <laughs> okay, I, mm-hmm. I took classes in artificial intelligence, and, and a lot of this, these these android uh, films, like over the years, have really really intrigued me. 
but this particular trailer uh wow this looks crazy uh uh the film stars uh allison williams you might know her from girls um get out is uh, she the ai because i could totally see her she's the most because oh, she she's a little robotic no no yeah no shade no shade Jessica just saying yeah she's the mother Gemma uh, who's also a toy company roboticist who programs the artificial intelligence doll and uh takes the doll to protect her grieving niece Katie who lost both of their parents in a car crash and so now Katie and this AI robot Megan Hit it off initially, but then the brutal side takes over, and yes, looks like there's some killing involved. Um, <laughs> which wow, is, which could be a very scary reality if that ever happens uh, when AI uh, really takes over. I mean, we've seen, we've all seen iRobot. Like, let's exactly. be real. Ex Machina. I mean, also, on. this is you're also of an age that will remember this, but what was the name of that show where there was a young girl? It was like in the late '80s where she had like a red dress and she was like some oh yes chachi the king is a small wonder small wonder so i remember watching like some of that when i was younger it wasn't on you know very often um i think it had been like replaced by like mr belvedere or something like that or or (laughs) silver spoon or something like that that had been taken up that like time slot um by the time i rolled around but my friend just uh, was like, hey, was trying to describe that show and he was describing it as an AI. And it was like, I don't remember her being a like a robot, like a toy doll person. But apparently right. that was the whole gist of it. That he was like trying to pass her off as like his adopted daughter right. or some shit. Exactly. But she was yep. actually a robot. That's exactly what that and, was. And like right. that, went, that went totally over my head at the time. But now it feels like now we're just, now we're, we're coming full circle and it's way creepier and technology is very viable. We're on the precipice of like being of this full blown transhumanism. Right. (laughs) It could be very, very scary. Yeah. And a very, very different movie. They also dropped a teaser, a trailer for the upcoming holiday movie with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, uh, which is called spirited. And um, it's um, basically a take on a Christmas Carol, which everybody you know in the holiday spirit enjoys watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, uh, Ryan Reynolds stars as Clint Briggs, a Scrooge-like character visited on Christmas Eve by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Um, and uh, yeah, the trailer is really, really fun. It's got obviously it's Ryan Reynolds, so you know there's gonna be a lot of comedy in it. And it's Will Ferrell, who's God, probably one of the greatest <laughs> comedic actors uh, of our He's generation. He's so funny. Yeah, so funny. Um, but this particular film will uh, drop on um, the theaters first, and then it will go on to Apple TV+. Plus. Mm. So look out for that. And Good uh, for speak- you, Apple TV. Right, Apple <laughs> TV's getting some big stuff, man, for sure. Um, obviously, they want to get up there with uh, Netflix and all the big streaming. Films. Well, you need to get on this Ted Lasso business, That's, which I said, Ted Lasso, in, yeah. I said in 2020 that Ted Lasso is going to – I did not want to watch it. But then when I watched it, I stopped, I paused before binge watching literally the rest of the season and almost on one go. Um, And I had to text everyone who I knew needed the message of this show, liked, you know, Premier League soccer, like whatever, whatever um, 
you know, touch point any of these people that I knew. Like I literally had like 20 people in a group text that I was just like, stop what you're doing. Don't pass go. Do not collect $200. Watch Ted, Watch Ted Lasso right the fuck now. Ted Lasso is going to save humanity. So. Well, you, you obviously have to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy I mean, watching The Walking Dead, which is literally about like humanity eating itself. Right. It's a snake eating its own tail. That's true. Let just, Ted Lasso like tr- yeah. you know get you transcend you to another level of consciousness okay I, I promise i will give that one a shot that is on the list i mean i love norman Reedus. i don't even know if he's still on in that oh, yeah. franchise yeah, anymore he's, he's, okay good he's the reason why people are still tuning in <laughs> good that's how that's the only reason i would even consider watching it for the but, final and i season, don't like yeah. and i don't do zombie no just like ever it's like the reason i watched four episodes of it ever was because yeah. i fucks i fucks with norman Reedus hard hard he's my favorite food <laughs> box saint and he has words. and he has a love child he was married to i don't even know if they were married, married but he has a love child diane uh, kruger now yeah well i don't i mean i know who that is but nothing there is no uh there is no one can like no one holds a candle to helena christensen okay helena so. christensen's his first wife yeah we yeah, and so that's Wicked what game. I'm talking about. Game well, well done. Yeah. I know. I love. <laughs> J'adore. J'adore. Yeah, Incredible. yeah. Well, yeah, the really interesting tidbit on The Walking Dead, they finally um, brought back the zombies that can do more than walk and, and just eat brains. And, and eat? These Ugh. zombies can turn doorknobs, then climb fences, and they're calling them variant zombies, which is a big deal in this in this last episode. Of the variant zombies. It's a variant. They're it's a breakthrough variant. zombies. Yeah, that still retain some of their their memories and can climb fences, and uh, it was pretty cr- crazy. So it's definitely going to be something to contend with for the rest oh, of the, no. the final season of The Walking Dead. So that was crazy. Oh gosh. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. That sounds like awful. I mean, to me, like who already is not into zombie stuff. Right, right, right. So they're more intelligent. So um, let's see over on Marvel. Um, well, this is an, this is more of like gossip slash Marvel, but it was uh, with TJ Miller apparently was talking about uh, his co-star Ryan Reynolds, who we just talked about holiday movie and said that he thinks that, Ryan Reynolds doesn't like him, and therefore they won't be working together again, and that's why he won't be uh, brought back for the Deadpool 3 movie, but maybe it has to do with being accused of sexual assault and a, and a, a fake bomb threat on an Amtrak chain in 2018. Call me just, just a wild guess, but maybe it's, that doesn't have to do with this. Wait, this, was that was that corroborated? I never really got understood yeah, that whole story. Well, that, that fake apparently they dismissed the, the bomb threat. Um, but of course, the uh, the sexual assault accusations were never uh, they never got closure on that one. But um, but anyways, T.J. Miller later on said that he and Ryan Reynolds have cleared the air, um, and then said it was a misunderstanding during their onset moments from years ago. So they said, I hope they like smoked a joint together. They I, hope they, I hope they literally came, you know, like came together over over right. the peace pipe to like clear clear the air on this one. Exactly. Life's uh, too short. Get it together, guys. Either do it in a movie or not. Short. But yeah. also, it really blows to be on set or have to act with someone continuously, sometimes on like 15-hour days on the set. Like, the yeah. last thing... It's already difficult when, like, you're with people that you fucking love. Imagine if you're, like, having to deal with someone that really people chaps that, your ass. Right. Yeah. There's nothing more excruciating, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, speaking of Marvel... um. 
apparently production has temporarily shut down on the Blade movie. So this is Mahershala Ali in the role that Wesley Snipes previously Famously, played. yeah. And, well, it makes sense. They need a new director, and apparently the development of the script is still ongoing. So obviously you have to shut down production. Uh, kind of crazy. I guess they weren't in, happy with the initially shot so far, and that's why the director left. But, uh, but like, development they, is, like, the first step in a production i mean other than having a script but i mean technically a script can be in development you know at the same time right so how if you're starting there's like development pre-production production production, production, post-production distribution (laughs) right what how do you have like a full-blown set happening when you know yes this is above my pay this grade, obviously. Production. This is in production that it's shut down because the, the director left during the production. That's crazy. And that's it's, wild. It's... Who was the director? So it... Um... Or was the director, Yeah, Blade director of Bassam Tariq was the one who left. So they needed a new huh. director. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. That's wild. Does um, it cite? Did he cite reasons, or was he fired? We don't know. Um, apparently, I believe we talked about it on last week's show that there was um, some scheduling conflicts of, of other projects, which doesn't really make sense <laughs> considering you're on the Marvel MCU universe. That's going to take you know precedence, I imagine, you know, more than anything else. So, um, but yeah, and maybe we really don't know exactly what happened, but. Um, but yeah, some other comic book news, which is great. Uh, I love the comic book genre, as you know. Um, as I was the New York Comic Con, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson confirmed that Black Adam, which is his big movie coming out uh, next weekend, right? And Superman will fight on screen at some point, which basically Sick. confirms the rumors that Henry Cavill will reprise his role uh, as Superman in. Um, Sick. Yes, and rumored to be uh, maybe the end credits of Black Adam. That hasn't been confirmed, but make that that's pretty logical. And uh, I'm just glad to see Henry Cavill uh, as back as Superman. I think he was uh, great for that role. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine. No one really comes to mind that can can play it just as well at this at this moment. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And uh, as you know, they're doing a, a sequel for the Joker movie that Joaquin Phoenix won the Oscar for. They are. Oh, this is news Dude. to me. Yeah. I'm glad that you're up on all this stuff because I'm like never am. Yeah. I'm not. Like well, I said, I feel like what, being the first person to watch a Golden Age when it came out. <laughs> yes. I mean, not like the first person ever, but like the first person that I knew. That's yeah. like a first for me. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is going to be great because Lady Gaga is going to be playing Harley Quinn. And Margot Robbie was asked about that. And she says that it makes her happy because at the very beginning, she wants Harley Quinn to be one of those characters like Batman that always gets passed from a great actor to a great actor. And it's, um, and, uh, said that. Plus, didn't she, didn't her, whatever, what movie that she, which, which one, didn't it get like terrible reviews? Not because of her or anything. Not that I'm a. Well, if you're alluding to the last Suicide Squad movie, that got good reviews. Um, she did do Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey that didn't get as great reviews. Mm. But the second Suicide Squad movie was good. That was a James Gunn uh, okay. film. So that, that one did really well. But I, I, as you know, I'm a huge Margot Robbie fan. I'm a huge I am too. She's uh, and, one of those people. I, 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 I Tanya so hard. Like I, I voted yeah. uh, 
I, Tanya, across the board, and for her in Bombshell, honestly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. She really, she works it out. She's and so, her middle name's Elise, so there obviously. you go. That's the reason enough. But, but yeah, gives mm-hmm. uh, Lady Gaga the blessing, and of course, again, this is an alternate universe. This Joker, mm-hmm. because you know, there's many Jokers in the um, the worlds of um, the DC EU. Um, mm-hmm. um, so comic book uh, properties are, are becoming um, big now for films. Uh, one another film we're gonna get is. Um, it's a sword and sorcery feature, Red Sonia. Uh, so Red Sonia. What? Yes. Adapted from the comic book series, starring Matilda Lutz. Are you familiar with Red Sonia? You 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 very. From back in the day, I mean, not yes. the comic book. I'm talking about like when there was a Conan movie and a Red well, yeah, Sonia. That was originally based on an, an old comic book, Red Sonia. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. like I knew that Conan was, but I hadn't. Yeah. It never crossed my mind that Red Sonia was. But I read, I watched that Red Sonia business like a oh, bunch yeah. of times. So oh yeah, yeah, they're doing a brand new um, Red Sonia film with Wallace Dade, Robert Sheehan, Michael Bisping, uh, and another um, graphic novel uh, that's going to be uh, adapted into um, a film is by Neil Gaiman of The Sandman, uh-huh. uh huh, who's fantastic and. Uh, and it is um, the violent. It's called Violent Cases, graphic novel Violent Cases. Uh, it's a. What is it about? So. <laughs> I don't know, but I have a children's story. It's like a young adult book, like story on my bookshelf that I keep wondering if I should give to my nephew, who's like really yeah. precocious. But I'm also like, it's also Neil Gaiman, so I should definitely like check it out before right. I give some really effed up material to <laughs> and, I, and my <laughs> sister-in-law kid, right? is like comes and kills me oh I know yeah. my, my sister will give me a lot of crap if I, could, <laughs> I gave came through with one of Neil's like exactly. yeah um, Barbarella <laughs> is another good. one Barbarella is oh. another property Sydney Sweeney mm. is going to be attached to that project who's kind of like the new Hollywood it girl. Um, she's also. Oh, is that the chick from Euphoria? Euphoria? She's awesome. Yeah, I'm a big Voyeurs. fan. Big fan. Big big fan. Borgias. I've never seen the Voyeurs. Oh, the Borgias I've seen, but you know what? Somebody. Oh, the Voyeurs. I thought you said the. I heard Voyeurs, but I thought you also said she was in the Borgias, and I was like, oh, really? Not the Borgias. Um, definitely the Voyeurs. For sure. Oh yeah, the Voyeurs. <laughs> I've never seen the Voyeurs, and I've only seen some of the Borgias, but that's yeah, that a Neil Jordan. A, that's and. A, um, uh, that one's on Amazon, yeah, and uh, also a film adaptation for the Caretaker. So Sydney Sweeney has two big projects. Uh, she's going to star and produce this particular film, which follows a young woman who lands caretaking job on Craigslist, only to discover the stakes are much higher, more dangerous than what was in the job description. Um, and uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast uh, just attached Pete Davidson and Michelle Yeoh. Uh, they're going to be nice. doing voiceover works of two of the uh, Transformer characters. Um, Michelle Yeoh will be uh, voicing Air Razor, while Davidson will be voicing Mirage. I well, I'm so Mirage. glad that you're telling me this now, because um, I saw an Apple News headline that was like, mm-hmm. you're not going to believe what Pete Davidson's next role is. And I was like, I want to know, but not like, I don't want to pay $9.99 enough want to know. Like, <laughs> but now I'm telling you, right? But now you're telling me, so I'm getting it for free. Yeah. Thank you. The first Transformers <laughs> movie that will be set in the 1990s, too. So that would be cool. 
that will be cool. Yeah. Is Bumblebee going to be in it? Good, because Bumblebee, Bumblebee always Bumblebee gets Bumblebee was eat. awesome. That was in the Bumblebee's end. my favorite. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. All right, um, let's skip a little uh, as we're running out of time here. Uh, the Middleburg Film Festival, uh, yours truly will be in attendance. I am looking forward to it in Virginia. Yay! Middleburg Film Festival is probably the, the premier film festival of the DMV. It has gotten a lot of major, major film, major films that that have been in Sundance, have been in Venice, have been in all mm-hmm. the major film festivals. I'm going to be checking out White Noise, no uh, Brumbach's uh, film uh, starring uh, Keanu Reeves and Noel. The director will be in attendance for a Q&A. Awesome. So That's so awesome. That. Also, Everything Everywhere All at Once will have a screening. Uh, Knives awesome. Out with Ryan Johnson. Wow. And The Whale starring Brendan Fraser. Uh, which a lot of people I, it's say been getting a lot, lot of heat a lot well heat yes but a lot of no i mean like a lot of action a, good a lot heat. of yeah yes. yeah it's got a lot of heat on it not like it's heat. getting a lot of heat it's like it's got, <laughs> right. a, it's got a lot of heat on it because of his performance they say that yeah. brendan fraser's performance is oscar worthy of this particular production so um yes that's another project that's going to be a part of this middleburg film festival happening the 13th through the 16th in virginia um, and of course, uh, Ray Romano's Somewhere in Queens is another one. So yeah, it's it's good stuff. All right. Um, I'll try my best. <laughs> all right, moving on to TV, uh, Netflix. Um, so for the Los Angeles listeners, there is a really cool a Netflix pop-up shop at the Grove in Los Angeles, which I've been. Uh, it's a 10,000 square foot place, which is going to have a lot of your favorite shows life-size versions of characters and artifacts like Vecna from Stranger Things, the the robotic doll from Squid Game, the red light, green light doll. <gasps> Fucked um, up. If I saw that, I would run. Freak like the fuck out, right? I would be gone. Queen Charlotte's like... <laughs> Throne from Bridgerton um, and so forth. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, lots of merch. Um, so yeah, that's going to be something to check out if you're in the Los Angeles area. I'm sure New York might have something very similar soon. Uh, the big Netflix project is, uh, coming out soon is Adam's Family, which actually had a panel at New York Comic Con. It first looks uh, at Fred Armisen and Christine, it's Christina Ricci's roles because Christina Ricci played Wednesday in the mm-hmm. Adam's Family movie. Now she's going to be a part of this uh, series on Netflix. And Weird. Fred Ar- yeah, Fred Armisen was actually a surprise guest and, yes, confirmed that he's going to be playing Uncle Fester. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. And uh, Richie, Christina Richie, will be Nevermore Professor Miss Thornhill. So that's the character she's going to play. Obviously, she can't play Wednesday. Wednesday is going to be is paid by a younger actress, Jenna Ortega. Um, but yeah, it looks fantastic. This, this, uh, this. Um... Plus, Christina Ricci is quite petite, so maybe she could revive the role. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I know. I get maybe, it. I'm just joking. Maybe, I mean, you would think, yeah, maybe it would, I would, it would be cool to do generational thing, maybe. But uh, you can't bring Raul Julia back, though. That's the real travesty. He was. Is there? Be, yeah. Is there ever? There's never going to be. He's just like yes. Joel Gray as the MC in yep. Cabaret. It's like yep. he he canceled the role for everyone else. Right. Exactly. Everyone <laughs> else will just be a uh, you know a mediocre copy. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, or mediocre. I mean, even if they do it amazingly, I'm sure yeah. there's amazing people. But okay, continue. That's okay. I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan. 
No, yeah, totally, totally get it. But Netflix was not, not as much of going on with Netflix, but HBO Max, obviously we love House of the Dragon. Um, and uh, George R.R. R. Martin said that the show would need to run 40 episodes if it fully wants to tell the story of the Targaryen Civil War. And that's why we're getting all these like time jumps, you know, and they have to recast these characters because you know, younger versions are not going to look old enough to play their newer versions. I kind of believe it, but, you know, um, and had to get used to these new um, actresses that came midway uh, in the season to play, portray older versions of um, Rhaenyra and Alicent. But, um, yeah, we saw in episode eight, it was a tearjerker episode uh, that we saw Viserys take his last breath. King Viserys, uh, who was plagued by a form of leprosy, apparently losing body parts and, and skin conditions, losing an eye. And he wanted to have one final dinner to, to, for his last wishes for the family to get along. And of course, Rhaenyra's kids and Allison kids still bringing up their... The previous feud because one of Allison's kids lost an eye and wears an eye patch now, and apparently they're not over that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a very powerful, powerful episode. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and um, another thing about um, House of the Dragon so <clears throat> they actually uh, addressed the, the showrunner, the, the showrunner addressed um, their decision to make the House Valerian characters um, Black American. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently, of course, the original versions of those characters in the books were not. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we're in 2022, you know, there's going to be more representation, you know. And uh, the thing is, it is fantasy world. It's not a biopic. It's right. fantasy. So if you want to have, you know, Black characters with platinum blonde hair as... as uh, as uh, Valyrians, you know, and, 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 and Targaryens, you know, why not, you know? Um, I, I, I ain't completely cool with that, completely fine with that. But he also says that he knows that a lot of people aren't going to be happy about it because it's not true to the books. But it said it wasn't to be progressive or woke or, or that sort, um, which is, <laughs> if you think about it, it is kind of be, it is being woke. But, you know, in an acceptable way, of course. I mean, is it really being woke or is it just being inclusive? I mean, inclusive because woke can have derogatory connotation, but it also could be a positive thing. I mean, I definitely what better genre, honestly, to like really test out the, you know, um, the range of a character to be able to be played by a diverse whatever people than a fantasy. Like, come on, people get out of get out of town. He said it was a fantastical, um, basically the, the Valerians in particular um, was the most fantastical race in the show because they're from a lost continent that they don't really know much about. So now, okay, it's from a lost continent. You're going to have different type of people in different you know, continents like we do here all over the world. Right. And he also said that, that Valeria is an enormous continent, very diverse, well-populated nation that fell into the sea. Why couldn't there have been a line of black Valerians in that story? So there you go. And now it makes sense. He also said there are so the, the cast is so big, it's an easy way to um, distinguish the different characters. And and he said that, you know, the having a different look for some of the cast members makes it easier 
to distinguish. And of course, the storyline of Renera's children having questionable parentage makes sense because, yes, I mean, these characters, um, you know, Renera, the princess Renera had two kids that clearly were not half black, you know. Um, right. Or a, in this case, a quarterback because um, the Snee Snake's um, son is half white, half black. And, uh, you know, that was another point they went to to, to uh, stress that por- portion as well. So mm. so just get over it, people, if you have a problem with it, you know, just just get over For it. Real. It's, it's fantasy and uh, it's not real life, you know, so. But it is real life at the same time. Representation. I, I got to say, I haven't watched it. You know, I feel like I've got enough Game of Thrones as there is. Like, it's going to take me another And you probably... enjoy Game of Thrones. Yeah, I really enjoyed Game of Thrones, but I was really late in getting to that too. It wasn't yeah. until um uh well, I was uh, actually living with my sister for a brief time and the like third season wasn't going to start or the fourth season was about to start. Right. And uh I was a underemployed actor, so I had a lot of time to mm-hmm. watch the first 3 seasons. Yeah and get up to speed because i knew that that's what everything while i was living there was going to be like you know everything was going to be centered around the watching of the new each new episode of the fourth season when it came out so like i said i was like already three episodes or three seasons behind the game and then i watched all the rest of them in real time and i'm good you know i didn't read the books but I'm not ready to like find out a whole nother 10 layers of, you know, in house of the dragon, J R R Martin's worlds. I'm George just not, R. R. I'm not there yes. yet. George R R Martin. 127 years before the events of game of Thrones. See, Thanks. I'm just catching up. Like I said, I just watched um, better call Saul right. so that I could now watch like breaking bad. Uh, now you can go it, back and watch breaking bad. I need it's to amazing. Back. I need to watch Ted Lasso apparently. So now. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ted Lasso. I mean, we only have so many hours in the day, right, Elise? Exactly. I get so, it. I get so it. HBO is also the home of a lot of great DC um, projects. Uh, the Penguin, um, which is going to be on uh, HBO Max, uh, a spinoff of the Batman with Colin uh, Colin Farrell playing the Penguin, uh, found a director for the to- first two episodes, and that's Craig Zobel. You will also executive produce the show as well. So that's pretty exciting, yes. Um, Harley Quinn, the animated series, will have a Valentine's Day special that's going to be on HBO Max called A Very Problematic Valentine's Day Special. Fantastic animated series um, for, for myself being a, a big fan of the Harley Quinn character. Um, I love I love the the uh, series on HBO's voiced by uh, Kaylee Cuoco. Mm. Um, and Kaylee, oh, yeah. I'm expecting her first child. So congratulations to Kaylee on that. Yes, congratulations to her. Yes. Also, congratulations to Carrie Coon. I didn't realize that basically over quarantine-ish or somehow after, no, before quarantine, during quarantine. I don't know what she was saying that she was very pregnant in the um, filming of during one the of the seasons of, of, of Gilded, Gilded Age. Age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I had wow. no idea. Yeah, yeah. And you got a... a you know, be very strategic with, with filming if you're not pregnant on the show. Yeah. <laughs> to, to show that you're not pregnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Also, Doom Patrol. They had a teaser trailer in New York Comic Con. That's another big DC show, which is also on the list. I need to watch the show. Um, but 
Wow, there's a very interesting characters in this Doom Patrol where they're basically animated butts, like literal behinds. Hilarious. And they're animated. They're called wear butts, and they're a weaponized force of nature. Um, and Doom Patrol is one of the weirdest and kookiest DC shows on HBO Max, and uh, definitely, definitely worth a look. I mean, it's Brendan Fraser, Diane Guerrero, Proboldi. Um, definitely check it out if you seen Doom Patrol. Very underrated as well. Uh, I haven't gone past the first season, but I need to go back and watch it. But from what I've seen, it's absolutely fantastic please watch it please watch is it, it is it like is it kid friendly or kid no, whatever kid okay <laughs> so, what about like a kid of a comic because um there there is a series of like young adult children's books they're in between like kids or whatever yeah. that literally there's like a butt monster it's like a monster that's just like a bunch of butts and it's a hilarious that's like just it's like this... doom patrol yeah so that's what i was wondering if this is like you a spinoff think... or if they're somehow um <laughs> like related because i it's uh i used to date uh, i not i did not date did not date this comic but i used to uh <laughs> i used uh, to but i did not no i did not no d- there's nothing romantic going on but i okay. used to um babysit uh, for his son oh he's babysit for his son and um i was introduced to this hysterical i do not remember the name but it was a butt monster it was like butts on butts (laughs) on butts and so now that i find out that there's a whole series going on that maybe it's something that i should send to them to check out so they can enjoy some father's son time now that his his little boy is now becoming like more of an adolescent that's a good one to show. And uh, Disney Plus has something called the Goosebump series, which I know is for <gasps> children's. Yeah. But and also terrifying. But rem- I remember. Time, I read- this is perfect. Yeah. So it's Zach Morris and Issa Briones, who shout out to the Filipinos. Yeah. That's Filipino. And it follows a group of high school high schoolers who unleash supernatural forces on their town and must all work together. And uh, that could be uh, an ideal show as well. Um and this show on Amazon, I'm really looking forward to. It's called The Peripherals from the Westworld Creators. Oh. Uh, Jonathan uh, Nolan, Lisa Joy, and it's Chloe Grace Moretz. And she discovers a dangerous virtual reality um, where she actually, yeah, she can actually transfer her mind literally to whatever person that she goes into the virtual reality um, world for. And, um, yeah, the description's pretty, pretty rad. Um, basically it's two siblings who share this avatar jockeying for high paying customers to beat challenging game levels. And, uh, apparently, um, yeah, it, there's a lot going on. It takes place in the year 2099. Um, and apparently this simulation is more real than they've ever imagined. Um, and yeah. I mean, basically, basically, you're, 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 whatever you're seeing in the virtual reality, you're, you're literally placed into. Um, Whoa! Um, like, so. oh my God! Like, uh, what's that called? Strange days. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's perfect, right there. I'm a big fan of the boys on Amazon. They just uh, dropped some first look photos of two new characters, which I'm stoked about. Um, Sister Sage and. Um, and Firecracker. <laughs> so mm. Susan Hayward will be playing Sister Sage, and Valerie Curry will be rocking the Firecracker costume, and the costumes look pretty dope. 
these uh yeah these characters are from the comic book uh again comic book property the boys not for kids there is a lot of not uh, for kids it's very gory it's yeah uh, it's it's cruel. it's a good one though i haven't watched a lot of it but it was recommended to me and i was yeah. pleasantly surprised so i'm looking forward to watching more of that oh so you had seen some yeah a little bit yeah Oh man, uh, yeah. Season three was ridiculous. They had a story. I haven't. I'm like, so I'm season one. They had like, a storyline called Herogasm, where it's a basically a big orgy for superheroed folks, and they just it's a hedonism and escape and a big party, and it's just wild. It's just why crazy. hasn't that been explored earlier? Uh, I'm sure because I feel like that is the exact kind of release that you would need. You <laughs> As know, a superhero, right? I I was just having this whole download about how like. Uh, how 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 treacherous the world actually i was talking with somebody about magneto to um uh you know professor xavier yes and um one of the things that makes their like everything so interesting between them is that they really don't have animosity towards it like they don't hate each other they're just fighting for different sides you know yeah. so they're diametrically opposed to one another in terms of like what they feel that their purpose here on earth is but they have like a respect for each other that's what makes it interesting and so um anyway uh long story short is i'd like to think of those two guys just getting weird at uh <laughs> Heroism. Yeah. Do you have to be a hero or can you be a mutant? No, they, they, there's qualify? a lot of non, there are a lot of non-heroes, a lot of naked okay. women, a lot of naked men just running Perfect. around. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Again, so the season boys, three of the boys. Season three of the not, boys. Not not for children. Not, not for, for children. children. Not for children <laughs> at all. Please don't. And this show, <laughs> The Devil in the White City, does not sound like it's for children at all. But Keanu Reese has exited uh this Hulu limited series, which would have been Keanu Reeves' first TV major TV role. He hasn't done television before. Um, as far as why, they didn't really explain why he decided to leave the show. So obviously they needed a new lead, but because of that, also the director um, bounced. Field has bounced his ghost <laughs> project as director. So you know, very similar to the the Blade. You know, situation for Marvel. You know, the director leaves and you know, production gets shut down, and you, know, you lose. And fuck, if you lose Keanu Reeves, man, you got to. If you lose it. Keanu, you lose a lot of eyes. Cause, yes. Yeah. Absolutely, that guy's just made an amazing career of resurgence. Like I can't, I would not imagine if they tried to do another Matrix movie and Keanu was like, "I'm not gonna be in it." Yeah. Like, would it be a Matrix movie at that point? Right. No. <laughs> right. Hashtag no. no. <laughs> No sense in producing another one without him, yeah. And you mentioned uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who I love as well. She's mm. going to be a part of an Apple TV, well, actually an Apple film, um, with Miles Teller from Top Gun Maverick, and it's called The Gorge. And it's a high-action, genre-bending love story directed by Scott Derrickson. Um, and, uh, yeah, look out for that one as well. Um, and if you're a fan of Physical on Apple TV+, Zoe Deschanel will be joining the cast, um, and we haven't seen Zoe Deschanel on a major show since New Girl, which was kind of like a little bit of a guilty pleasure that I enjoyed. I am not a Zoe Deschanel fan. I'm an enormous uh, Rose Byrne fan, yes. so I tried to watch, physical, tried to watch physical, but I yeah. I could not get into physical. 
No, even like the whole 80s uh, vibe? No, but I do want to give a shout out to the late, great Olivia Newton-John. Um, oh, yeah. And also, please check out Discount Disco, oh, my DJ duo. Yes. We have a we have a um, uh, a studio mix that we put out on SoundCloud that is it starts with uh, magic from mm-hmm. uh, what's that movie? Uh, shit, what's it called? You know the one from the eighties that she was in where she plays the muse. Um, oh God, never ending story. No, it's um, called, um, I keep wanting to call it Eleusis, but that's a different Greek something. Um, But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Right now, I can't think of it. Yeah. Whatever it's called, uh, when the second I think of physical, I just hear, let's get Get physical. physical. We actually played that as the classic cut when when, when we lost Olivia. Oh, I'm so glad that I I miss her tremendously already. So, anyway, but also everyone check out link magic uh at soundcloud.com forward slash discount disco discount disco gotta gotta put those plugs in yeah yeah the plugs in for sure elise <laughs> um let's wrap up in a few minutes here uh amc has an upcoming series the mayfair witches which stars alexandra daddario as a young neurosurgeon who learns she comes from a line of witches um and this is of course based on anne rice's novel So, uh, as you know, Anne Rice, who sadly recently passed away, Mm -hmm. um, has a deal with uh, AMC uh, producing a whole bunch of her projects. As you know, the Vampire Chronicles has also been produced um, an interview with a vampire as well. I know. I'm waiting for my call to audition or just give me a roll because I live the the Vampire Chronicles. I totally live it already. So it's... it's, I'm into it. Yeah, it's perfect casting. There you go. Also at New York Comic Con, they, they debuted the trailer of the final season of Star Trek Picard, which featured all of Star Trek The New Generation's cast, which, you know, all made a big reunion on this show. Mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart, Gates McFadden, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, LeVar Burton, Brett Spiner, Michael Dorn. Um, and Michael yeah, Dorn is a yes, G. Yes, yes. And... <laughs> Star Trek Voyager alum, seven of nine, Jerry Ryan. So uh, she's also going to be a, a part of this final season, uh, which drops in February of 2023. Um, and I'm excited that uh, Sarah Michelle Geller is returning to television. Oh, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, herself on <gasps> Wolfpack. What? On Get out of town. I'm sure uh, Sabrina Taylor Smith is stoked that she's a big Buffy Freaking fan. Freaking out right now. Yes, yes. So the Wolfpack, yeah. Uh, it's uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, Armani Jackson, Rodrigo Santoro, Bella Shepard, Chloe Ro- uh, Rose Robertson, to name a few, and it's based on the book series by Ido Van Belkorn. Um, follows a teenage boy and girl whose lives are changed forever when a California wildfire awakens a terrifying supernatural natural creature and drives to attack the highway traffic jam beneath the burning hills. Boy and girl are inextri- mm. in- inexplainably drawn to each other and two other teenagers. Um, and then as the full moon rises, all four teens um apparently they uh become werewolves they yeah they'd be had the oh, blood wow. of the werewolf so uh <laughs> so i don't know about this show but you know yeah. it sounds like it might be worthy of checking out but i do want to plug sarah michelle geller in yeah. 
doing revenge do revenge this movie okay. that also has maya hawk in it i had never heard of it it was randomly given oh, yeah. to me um by netflix netflix is like watch this oh and nice. it is great it was it, i was surprisingly good and what's really fun is that it's kind of like a hybrid of mean girls meets like cruel intentions in a way oh, wow. but okay. but like put in this current day and age um and um there is kind some kind of overt allusions to the you know or like callbacks to cruel intentions um I said cruel intentions and, and mean girls, right? Because right. those are that's um so and one of the best ones is they have Sarah Michelle Geller playing the headmistress of this like super, you know, prestigious, entitled, elite, like uh private school that the all the characters are at. And it's like they have some just really great, almost on the nose, like callbacks to the uh to both both things but Sarah Michelle Gallery is just great so she is fantastic and to see her in another series is great but I'll have to check that one out as well all right uh Saturday Night Live you know what they're doing what they can they lost so many cast members but uh this past episode touched on some of the biggest news like Kanye West being a complete jackass <laughs> um Herschel Walker and the Super Bowl Mario Brothers movie um and uh you know what you know they're trying it it's Brendan Gleeson did you know he hosted it from Banshees of Inisherin. No, I didn't wow. realize he that. He hosted it, yeah, and the opening monologue featured a surprise appearance by the Banshees Inisherin co-star Colin Farrell. Wow. Also guest starred in other sketches throughout the night, so you can see who we just hung out with uh, yesterday, right, or the other day. Oh wow, Colin. Farrell. I mean, I can't tell you that we hung out with them, but we definitely <laughs> saw him. I still feel bad that I did not clap for when he mentioned the part of the film that he felt like was most whatever, uh, yeah. or his, because I was like, oh my god, that moment was the most. Uh, like I was like, oh my god, Colin Farrell just killed me. He just put an arrow directly into my heart. Yeah. I didn't say anything because I was still so gobsmacked because I had no idea. I didn't know head from tails when that movie ended. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And also, it was amazing. Okay, anyway. It was definitely no. amazing, for <laughs> sure. Um, wow, but Blake Shelton's leaving The Voice. He's been there for, gosh, since the very beginning. All 22 seasons, uh, Blake Shelton was one of the... the, the um, There's been 20. 22 seasons 22 of that show seasons, Holy. and it's like two seasons a year so yeah like more than a decade wow. ago yeah, it's about that's time. a it's about that's time. a bummer i mean it's it's about time but also it's a bummer i was uh, i was really happy to see blake shelton kind of move into something more mainstream right i really was, was. his career he met his wife gwen stefani that is the best that's great but yeah Niall Horan, uh, formerly of One Direction, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure why a rapper would make a good coach on a singing competition, but Chance the Rapper is going to be a new coach. So I, I'm, I'm not, I'm curious why they want went with a, a rapper who, who clearly is not a singer to to be on The Voice, but maybe they're mm -hmm. going to introduce more hip hop, more rap artists uh, on this one. But uh, maybe has a lot of vocal training. You have to have a lot of. I mean, it, de it definitely depends on what kind of rap you're talking about because, yeah. you know, mumble rap is a real thing, but mumble it takes rap. a lot of like, it takes a lot of like, uh, you know, dexterity to rap 
you know i mean not everyone's gonna be twista or something but yeah. you know um that'd be interesting is uh what's his face still on the show i don't know who the current lineup is other than yeah. blake shelton it's, it's, they might be losing the only person i know at this point yeah it's jumped around i know gwen stefani's coming back i know camila cabello is in the recent season as well um and um but yeah the two new coaches chance the rapper and niall horn mm. those are going to be a, um Oh, uh, and Kelly Clarkson, like her return. Oh, that's nice. I love yeah. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, it's we've had a little bit of a downer earlier uh, in the program, so I'm gonna skip the Me Too news. Um, the, no, I give me the Me Too news because I don't know it. I don't know it. I need to know. Let's go. Yeah, we're almost done. We got to keep the people informed. We're also, this, done. this isn't um, just entertainment. This is this is the so water. We, the water. You know cooler. what happened now with Bill Murray? So apparently, what he thought was a joke was inappropriate to a, a production crew member who was shooting a movie called Being Mortal, and that's directed by Aziz Ansari, who also had his troubles with him. Mm, well. Mm-hmm. And apparently Bill Murray became very friendly with a much younger woman on the staff. Apparently was near a bed that was used on set. And Murray started kissing her body and straddling her. And apparently he thought it was a joke. She didn't think it was a joke. Bill Murray said, I did something I thought was funny and it wasn't taken that way. The world's different than it was when I was a little kid. Since when is straddling somebody considered a joke? Um, um, I'm not going to say that the person who felt uncomfortable is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I also totally get where Bill Murray is coming from and really? also really feel like that's kind of this kind of like awkward lewd is, but like, that's kind of disarming is, um, kind of like Bill Murray's like brand of comedy, you know? Really? I, I'm yeah. Hear that? Uh, apparently, still paid a settlement to this woman, one hundred thousand dollars. All right. Um, and the deal included that you know she couldn't sue the producers of the film or Searchlight or Disney. Mm. Um, and also, the the film will not be finished. Oh well, that's shitty, right that's there. That's another thing for the other actors that are involved in this project. Yeah. So being more, um, yeah, the production's abruptly shut down, which is you know very different from rust they're going to resume like we mentioned last time in the show they're going to resume rust because now the husband of helena hutchins the cinematographer who was killed is going to produce it i guess it's just kind of doing it in her memory in her honor to to finish the film which wow i would imagine be very contro- controversial to finish but uh, is alec going to be okay to like come back and do that i guess they're going to let him do it i mean there's still a lawsuit but uh yeah, I mean, I, he, you can't reshoot all that. So he, he clearly is going to finish it. Whether he's going to be involved with other projects after that, we don't. might take See, a long I, time. I feel like being mortal should definitely keep going. And I also feel like the, even the title of the film and like, you yeah. know, two different, two people's different perspectives right. of like what happened. I mean, if you're uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable. And also right. like, you know, Bill Murray, if you want to straddle me and kiss me, joke or no joke, just go ahead. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm pro, I'm pro Bill Murray. I'm not, like, sexually attracted to him. Actually, I okay. thought it was, like, weird that he was, like, a sex symbol back in the day. Right. But I'm, like, obsessed with Bill Murray. So okay, so you would, you would I would play pass. along. 
Are you a pale one? Okay. Well, yeah, that's apparently not a joke anymore to straddle someone. Um, and Anthony Rapp, apparently he's now in a civil trial with Kevin Spacey, and it's in, uh, taking place in, in London right now. And, um, yeah, um, so that's going on. And apparently I did read about that. I didn't realize it was one. Anthony Rapp. Well, I just knew uh, it was talking about what the current state of his um, – lawsuit of sexual misconduct sexual uh i don't know he was only 14 years old when when spacey made unwanted sexual advance advances to him Uh, kevin spacey was 26 at the time anthony rapp was 14 and um yeah he he, during the trial talked about a traumatic experience uh, during that time and uh also compared it being very familiar to watching American Beauty, which was uh, the film of Kevin Spacey's, the last film that he watched where he was inappropriate to a young woman, you know, a high school. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oogling his high school age daughter's best friend, you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's going on right now. And uh, apparently Anthony Rapp identified and resonated um, with, the, with that story. Um, and Danny Masterson of that '70s show is now um, has a pretrial hearing for his rape case from uh, last week, and apparently the trial will not be about Scientology because Scientology apparently couldn't control this trial because uh, the other women involved were also uh, from the Church of Scientology as well. Um, and uh, and right the, now they're all chained the, to toilets for saying anything about Scientology outside of the Church of Scientology. They, yeah, I mean it is a, <laughs> it is a cult. Let's be honest, guys. And they're doing some crazy things to to get these women to um, not go forward their um, sexual assault and rape rape uh, allegations. Um, you know, obviously they want to protect them, right? Um, but uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's three women, so I'm, ugh, you know, it's gonna be a little. I'm not sure how how Danny's gonna fare in that particular trial. Um, all right, and last but not least, Kanye West making headlines mm. for being a dick. First of all, the first thing he did was, which is pales in comparison for the second thing he did, but the first thing he did was wear wear a White Lives Matter shirt. Uh, during Paris Fashion Week, all right? mm-hmm. and apparently when he's asked why he wore the shirt, he said, "It's just using gut instinct, a connection to God, and just brilliance." I mean, come on, man. Uh, he also said, "My dad was an ex-Black Panther," and said, "White Lives Matter," and actually put in a text to him and said, "White Lives Matter, ha ha ha." And I guess um, his own dad thought it was funny. Um, but anyways. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that that really compa- pales in comparison to, to the second thing. The that second he did. thing, and he heard about this one. So apparently, he uh, tweeted something very anti-Semitic. Something yes. very like like I, the tweet was deleted, but you you know, screenshots don't go away, right? No. He said death con three on Jewish people. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't understand why. I don't either. Something like that. Um. I don't understand. Like the white lives matter thing at a Paris fashion show. I mean, 
I, I get it. Like it could be all of the things. It could just him being provocative. Right. right. But like saying Death Con three on Jewish people, like Kanye, what is your fucking problem? He, from someone who's a father uh, as well, basically he's saying, yeah, threats to Jewish people, and uh, that that obviously during during the time of you know two was 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 genocide, you know. Um, during that Nazi regime, um, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, very inappropriate, very wrong, hurtful, offensive, and there's a Black Jewish Entertainment Alliance that denounces comments uh, calling them hurtful, <laughs> offensive, and wrong, and perpetuate stereotypes that have been the basis of discrimination and violence against Jews for thousands of years. And uh, even Jamie Lee Curtis uh, chimed in and said uh, she was talking about the Halloween Ends uh, movie, which mm-hmm. is uh, the third film in that uh, trilogy. And uh, she said she woke up and burst into tears after she read the the tweet. Yeah. And it's bad enough that fascism is on the rise around the world, but on Twitter, on a portal that to pour in, as if Jewish people haven't had it hard enough. Very abhorrent. I am yeah. really concerned that there are like how many Holocaust deniers are yeah. out there, and some of them are over, and some of them right. are covert. And then for someone who is so famous, has such an enormous platform. Right. I mean, he is also known for being erratic, but I actually, as much as I uh, I usually, I'm not going to say that I believe, I, I tr- believe in every, all the messaging of Kanye West, because right. I really don't. I've been shitting on him for years. And also, I also defend his right to say what he wants. This is not something that I feel this is indefensible, you know. It's just absolutely I can't believe it. I don't know what would provoke him to say that other than some kind of insane, like screw loose that needs he's got some mental mental illness issues. He I remember he was threatening Pete Davidson's life, you know, in in, in the form of like claymation skits, you know, when he was dating uh, Kim Kardashian, you know. Um and uh, he does need to get over it. Also, but yes. what if you think, do you think his mom, his mom's death was a hit? Yeah, I think he took you that really hard too. No, no, I knew it was a hit to him, but I mean, do you think it was a hit? <laughs> do you think like someone oh, would have hit? That? No, I, I, I know the... that's what, something that I just came up with. I have never oh. heard anyone say that, but. Uh... Oh, I don't know. And I, I think that that was really just a botched surgery from what I, from oh. what I remember. Yeah, I don't think mm. there was anything on that, but. Uh... That's I just all. want to know because she was yeah. really his like support. Like she was like what kept the crazy and the genius like talking to each other in, in a tune, co- yeah. in a in a harmonious, harmonious way. way. And then afterwards, it's like they have not yet found a way to like fully integrate and stay yes. Yes. on the on the side of reason. Exactly. Yeah. For very long at any given yeah. point since yeah. what 2008, 2000, something like that. Oh, Whenever she passed yeah. away. It's so bothersome. All right, so we're gonna end tonight's show as we throw out those of the those of us that are no longer with us. Of course, we talked about Simon the Entertainer Davis, who was a dear friend of ours and a, and a fixture here on BTB for for a few years. Uh, as a and she's co-host. right still here. This is her her yeah. candle watching over us for the duration of this broadcast. Yes, and we also have a couple other announcements on that end. Angela Lansbury, um, a, a legend in the business, 75 years uh, in wow. the um, entertainment industry. 
uh, died just a few days away from her 97th birthday. Mom. Um, yeah, she was nominated for three Oscars, won seven Tony Awards, holds the record for an Emmy actress with the most nods for her, ro- her role on Murder, She Wrote. Uh, sad that that she is no longer with us. Uh, another legend, like in the same same level as as, as a Betty White, you know, someone that's uh, had such an amazing career. Many oh yeah, and amazing. She was just amazing. Yeah. We also lost Austin Stoker, um, a Trinidadian American actor known uh, for his role in John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Hmm. So lost Michael Callan, actor and dancer who portrayed Griffin in the original Broadway original West Side Story. Ugh. Uh, Judy Tanuda, eclectic comedian known as the Love Goddess, Aphrodite of the Accordion, um, sadly passed away due to um, stage four variant cancer. Eileen mm. Ryan, the um, an actress and mother of Michael Penn and Sean Penn and Chris Penn. Really? Yeah. Yeah, sadly passed away at the age. She also played Sean and Chris's grandmother in 1986's At Close Range. Mm. Um, this is really, really tragic. The um, American Idol contestant, um, also a runner-up, yeah, um, recently on American Idol, Willie Spence died um, after uh, hitting the rear of a tractor trailer that stopped on the shoulder of State 24 East near Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, both both drivers were in seatbelts, but sadly, um, Willie had passed away. Um, and very very talented singer. Um, and very very sad to announce he passed away. And um, young, very young. He 23. Yeah. Years old. Yeah. So he died without. Uh, like was it like a cardiac arrest or something like that? Like we don't know. Well, it was a car crash. Yeah. Um, but the maybe cardiac arrest played into it. Um, are you reading cardiac arrest? Oh, I don't know. I just thought that it wasn't yeah. like super it was a car crash. Yeah. But that it wasn't like it wasn't um, health related. Yeah, he he was a big guy, which is you know I was like wondering. What but the other guy happened. survived. The other person survived. I believe. Yeah, the other person survived that was in the car. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I yeah. I didn't I didn't see pictures or anything like that. But the way that the whatever you just read made me made it sound like it wasn't that bad what of a happened? crash, but he still died. So uh, that's why I was like, well, what happened then? But maybe it was a yeah. I guess I don't worse have accident. Complete story, but I should probably do my due diligence just make sure I'm talking properly. Yes, I mean, I, I I don't know. I just saw a picture with him on it. I haven't watched American Idol in a long time, but that is a really tragic um, passing of a very young person. Yeah, 23 years old um, and uh, killed in a car accident in Tennessee. He was driving an SUV and he went off the road, crashed in a car that stopped in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and... This other article is not alluding to the second person at all. So, mm. so maybe they, maybe the other article we were looking at was, uh, um, yeah, referring to the stopped car, not yeah. his car. Got it. Right. Got and, it. Um, former WWE um, superstar uh, Sarah Lee um, sadly passed away at the young age of thirty. Um, the cause of death not uh, disclosed. Like, really. 
Yeah, she was on Tough Enough, the WWE reality show where you're trying to find a new superstar. Uh huh. She won the competition, and then she went on WWE's NXT uh, brands. Never made it to the major shows Raw or SmackDown, but ended up marrying uh, a wrestler uh, and uh, had a couple kids and apparently posted a gym selfie saying, you know, the sinus, you know, dealing with sinus issues, but I'm glad to get back in the gym. And then next thing you know, uh, the family posted that she uh, sadly passed away. Wow. Yeah, very, very tragic. Um, lovely, lovely um, girl. Uh, I watched that uh, that season of Tough Enough. Mm. Yeah, she was the favorite on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we definitely have to celebrate life, though. Uh, those celebrating another year around the sun, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, who's coming back to the X-Men universe uh, in Deadpool, is 54 today. So happy birthday, Hugh Jackman. Also, Kirk Cameron of Going Pains is 52. Happy birthday. Uh, Happy Brian birthday. J. Smith of SGU. Stargate is 41. Tyler Blackburn of Pretty Little Liars is 36. And Josh Hutcherson from The Hunger Games is 30. That's birthday today. So that concludes uh, tonight. He's 30? Josh Hutcherson is only 30, yeah. Get out of town. Yeah. That's that insane. Well, happy birthday to him. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You, you thought he it, was a lot older? I, not a lot older, and even Jennifer Lawrence is a couple years older than that, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Born in uh, October twelfth, nineteen ninety. Wow, oh, that's yeah. surprising. Yeah. Wow. So this has been a, 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 a wow. This has been an emotional show. It's been a yeah. Show. Um, and uh, I think I'm going to save the my Monster Mania interviews for next week's show. Um, so we're going to uh, conclude uh, tonight's show. And, of course, um, rest in peace, Siren, the entertainer Davis, who's been a fixture here on BTB. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for the panel that joined us earlier, including Sabrina Taylor-Smith, sound guy Todd Stevens, and Chacha McFly, the king of the 80s. Thank you so much, Martin Harris, who was an amazing guest. And, uh, yes. You know, and uh, has has incredible, incredible uh, roles that he's uh, booked recently. And thank you so much, Elise. It matters what you say, Edwards. There's your nickname. Thank you, Elise. Yes. What you say, Edwards. A little, little throwback for the Cure. So uh, the Cure. I'm going to play um, for the classic cut to end tonight's show, since we need to officially get the classic cut. A song from the Killers. Yes. I got this shirt. The Killers show uh, last night uh, in Washington D.C. The Killers had an amazing show. They killed it. Um, opening act was Johnny Marr, formerly of the Smiths. And uh, Johnny Marr wow. did an amazing show as well. And, uh, yeah, picking a Killers song is a, is a tough task because they have so many great songs over the years. So, um I'm really surprised. I well, first off, we'll have to talk about it after, but I really want to know about the New Order and Pet Shop Boys show. Oh, you want to know a little bit about that show? Well, it was phenomenal, and I had pit <laughs> seats, and uh, wow, it was my first time seeing Pet Shop Boys live. Cool. Which, uh, yeah, yeah, which has never happened before. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a fantastic show. Fantastic wow. show. Fantastic show. Um, and Bernard Sumner, you know, they're not as like lively on stage, you know, uh, but I will say that Pet Shop Boys had a better stage presence than New Order, but New mm-hmm. Order, I mean, you know, that's some of just the greatest, 
greatest songs of, of our youth, you know, that we love. For sure. Love the two. Like I said, I saw Peter, Peter Hook uh, just solo yeah. in, in Maryland a few months ago, a couple months yeah. ago. So, yeah, let's just play uh, the classic, the, the song that uh, got everybody crazy at the Killers concert. That's uh, Somebody Told Me. This is one of their, yeah. their hit songs from the Hot Fuss album, which is their, I think their first album was their greatest album. I, I, I just They just really made a mark. Um, that particular album is just from start to finish is just complete, complete bold. Yeah. Classic, so we ended with a classic cut. And then we'll just close out the show. So uh, on behalf of Elise Edwards and all the, the great people that left the panel, we will see you guys next week. Until then, peace. Peace. Well, it has been a ill show tonight and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.